Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bookstore and all of them. And I say that because people who want to go to, you know, they always say, well, what's the evidence of that, et cetera, et cetera. It's all in there. Okay? Okay. Next slide. So, our universe first was first formally conceived by Sumerian astronomers around 3500 to 3300 BC <clears throat> in our scientific canon history as a discrete creation of time, space, energy and matter. And the multiverse was first named in 1895 by the American philosopher and psychologist William James as the collection of all universes. Now the universe and the multiverse are now, they've been joined by the omniverse that was first formally explored in Alfred Leonard Weber's Yours Truly, 2014-15 books on the Omniverse as the three central cosmological bodies around humanity, around which humanity organizes its understandings of the cosmos. So humanity now organizes its central, its understandings of the cosmos around three central cosmological bodies, the universe, the multiverse, and now, as of 2015 and 16, the omniverse. Now, I never thought I would be making such a public statement, which in a way is outlandish, because I'm making that statement, right? right? That I just came up with the omniverse, right? But I believe that that is a scientifically based hypothesis supportable by replicable empirical evidence. And I wrote, I wrote all the proof in the Omniverse book so that it would meet the test of the scientific canon so that it would have to be admitted into the scientific canon so that they would not be any more separation between science and spirituality. So, that's the whole premise of why we're here tonight. So you can witness the birth of the omniverse, the multiverse, and the universe as the three central cosmological bodies around which humanity organizes its understanding of the cosmos. Is everybody okay with that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. First, as to the universe. If we go back in ordinary conventional history, 3500 to 3200, there's, there's a, you know, there's many, many, many extraterrestrial histories that we don't know about, but 
the human scientific canon. It was the Sumerian astronomers and cosmologists that codified our concept of our universe in science as the discrete, organic, holographic creation of time, energy, space, and matter, including multiple timelines and an ecology of dimensions. Next slide. Secondly, the multiverse. The next conceptual advance was that of the, quote, multiverse, a term coined in 1895 by American psychologist and philosopher William James to mean the totality of all universes encompassing all time, energy, space, and matter. Now, recently, two Stanford scientists developed an estimate of the actual number of physical universes of time, space, energy, and matter there are in the multiverse. That number is so large, that is the number of universes in the multiverse, that if one wrote it out in 12-point type, that number itself would be more than 260 million miles long. That's how long that number is. Wow. In, in other words, we don't have a concept of it. We, you know, we don't know what it is. Now, that brings us to the omniverse. As, as a result of our research, a new science-based term now exists, the omniverse, which is defined as, number one, the totality of all universes in the multiverse, encompassing all time, energy, space, and matter. Plus two, the spiritual dimensions, including the intelligent civilization of souls, spiritual beings, and source. Some cultures call it God, or some individuals call it God, and have many, many other names. We can map the omniverse and prove its existence by the law of evidence because we now have replicable scientific empirical evidence for the spiritual dimension that is gathered by the same rules of the scientific method as the empirical evidence for time, space, energy, and matter. And that is that we are mapping and proving the existence of the spiritual dimensions in the same way that we've mapped the multiverse and that we've mapped all of the universes of the multiverse. So therefore, we can navigate the omniverse using the rules of science, the nature of source. There now exists replicable empirical prima facie evidence that confirms some essential aspects of what spirit, major spiritual and religious traditions have sought, thought about the nature of source or God. This evidence informs us that the source, God, of the omniverse consists of the totality of the spiritual dimension. God has empirically been found to comprise the totality of the intelligent civilization of souls, the intelligent civilization of spiritual beings, 
and the source for God itself. This collective entity of the spiritual dimension has been empirically found to be responsible for the ongoing creation of the physical side of the omniverse, which we've called the exopolitical dimensions. Now, that's a condensed finding from my book, The Omniverse, and you can find all the evidence for that in there. But that shows what is involved in creating our universe and all the universes of multiverse, which we have called God, and it is all of the intelligent civilization of souls, all souls, and all spiritual beings, and God itself is responsible for creating the universe. The mission of the omniverse, a core mission of the dimensional ecology of the omniverse, appears to be the creation and development of souls and spiritual beings in the spiritual dimension. The intelligent civilizations of souls and spiritual beings, along with source, collectively create and maintain the totality of the universes of time, space, energy, and matter in the exopolitical dimensions, namely the multiverse. The purposes of the dimensional ecology of the universe include the facilitation of multidimensional development and moral growth of souls in all dimensions of the omniverse through a variety of activities, you know, including just living your life and living a moral life and having to make moral decisions and not engaging in immoral activities. Souls based in the spiritual dimensions incarnate as intelligent entities in the exopolitical dimension and by acquiring moral experience of life, for example, as an earthling human, can advance their individual soul development. This is a tenet of many religions, notably in the East, in the sort of a Buddhist or Hindu tenet, but it's a scientific finding from uh, various sciences in the parapsychological area. The soul itself is a holographic fragment of source or God, and it's, it's uh, so the principles of holography are that the whole is present in each part of the whole, so that the whole of God is actually present in each of our souls. And, and so that is why all the universes of the multiverse and all of the solar systems and galaxies and solar systems of planets, etc., and all of the exophenotypes in each uh, galaxy and solar system are actually tended to and developed by the community of souls. We act, that's what we're engaged in, and incarnating in a bio-avatar, namely our human identity and body, is just part of what we do. Okay, next, next slide. 
so that the science of the omniverse uh, explores the ten top implications for a positive human future that can be drawn from research into the science of the omniverse and for further exploration of the dimensional ecology of the omniverse. These ten top implications can be summarized as follows. Number one, in the omniverse equation, this is just reducing the functioning of the omniverse itself into a very simple equation. And that is that the omniverse equals the multiverse plus the spiritual dimensions. Or it equals the totality of all the universes plus the intelligent community of souls plus spiritual beings plus source for God. Uh, the dimensional ecology of the omniverse hypothesis, to put it in scientific terms, is that <clears throat> a reasonable observer can conclude that prima facie empirical evidence supports the dimensional ecology of the omniverse hypothesis. This hypothesis holds that we earthlings live in a dimensional ecology of intelligent life that encompasses intelligent civilizations based in parallel dimensions and universes in the multiverse, as well as souls, spiritual beings, and source, or God, in the spiritual dimensions. Together, the exopolitical dimensions and the spiritual dimensions form the omniverse. The totality of the spiritual dimensions, source, spiritual beings, and God, function as the source of the universes of the multiverse. That's the, that's the dimensional ecology of the omniverse hypothesis. That's how it works. Next slide. Uh, two, exopolitics, the science of relations among intelligent civilizations, and parapsychology, the science of subconsciousness, telepathy, reincarnation, the soul, interlife, and source, or God, are among the proper scientific disciplines for exploring and mapping the dimensional ecology of the omnibus. Three, dimensionality, the ability of intelligence to organize itself via dimensions, discrete bands of conscious energy, appears to be a key criterion by which the omniverse is designed in both the spiritual dimensions and the exopolitical dimensions, the holographic universes of time, space, energy, and matter in the multiverse. Teleportation and telepathy are two common modalities by which intelligent civilizations navigate the dimensional ecology of the omniverse in both the universes of the multiverse and in the spiritual dimensions. Communication among human contactees and representatives of hyperdimensional civilizations can be telepathic. 
the PMIR model, fly-mediated instrumental response of human interaction on Earth, holds that all conscious action on Earth is modulated and coordinated by subconsciously derived, psychically, telepathically derived, non-local information. That's why all of us, it means that all of us are telepathically in touch, and that's how we plan, for example, the accidental meetings with a friend on the street corner in which we exchange valuable information. Next slide. Teleportation to a more advanced density or dimension of consciousness, which some people call ascension, is a specific mechanism for the development of souls and consciousness through incarnation of souls and bio-avatars in a universe. Our condition is that we are souls and consciousness that is, who are incarnating in, in bio-avatars, you know, I'm in my bio-avatar, Alfred, in this particular universe. According to one model of the ecology of consciousness, as defined by density, density is more or less the same as dimension. Density denotes a vibrational frequency and not a location, which the term density, dimension, implies. The density structure of this reality is primarily expressed in levels, though each level has sub-levels within it. The density scale is a model used to communicate one's perception or orientation in relation to other realities. In the density-based models of the ecology of consciousness local to our universe, density denotes a qualitatively distinct level of being. Each density has its own structure of life forms, perception, and typical lessons. So the consciousness says uh, residing within it. Uh, for example, there there's different. This is where we we have uh, as students of this to look at some of the different possibilities. Uh, there's different child information that says, "Oh, how is this working now?" There's one body that says, oh, what's happening now on Earth is that, uh, uh, is that the density level on Earth is uh, actually changing from a third time-space density to a fourth love-based density. And this happens every 75,000 years. Three revolutions around Unaku, the galactic center, or interdimensional portal through which the frequency ascension signal is transmitted. However, that's just one transmission called the law of one. You don't know whether, you know, when you transmit something from one dimension to another, there can be uh, 
there can be distortion. So we don't know if that's happening, but it could happen. Uh, and here on Earth, uh, it seems like there's a cutoff between this Earth is like a mixing arena between what they call service to self and service to other beings or souls. Some of the souls are in human beings, some of the souls are in grace, some of the souls are in reptilians. And it seems like in terms of ascension, service to self cannot ascend above a higher third or lower fourth, whereas service to um, service to others can ascend beyond. And that's the process that's going on now. Uh, what percentage of the service to others will ascend now, the really intense service to self are trying to keep as much of the more unconscious souls from ascending as possible. And that's why we have all of the war disease, crime, and poverty that we have. Keeping people in fear so that they won't ascend. That's the nature of the game that's going on now with the Earth as an incarnation arena. Uh, so that if we have omniverse disclosure, if we have ET disclosure, and omniverse, if we have disclosure uh, at the universe level, saying, oh, there's extraterrestrials, this can increase the percentage of souls ascending from third to fourth. And that's why the governments, you know, the dark forces won't allow, and the dark extraterrestrials won't allow disclosure because they're committed to keeping the souls that are incarnating here from ascending. They're the darker, they're the reptilians or the darker ETs. And however, if on top of that you add the full awareness of the uh, interactivity of the omniverse with the souls, that not only the ETs are helping us, but all the souls from the spiritual dimensions are, are helping us, you know, full celestial power, then that opens up, that's like the turbo jet that opened it up. So. This is a new revelation that we're coming with with the omniverse. It's like <laughs> the landing. Okay, so next slide. Whoops. Okay. So uh, comprehension of multiverse of universe multiverse reality. The dimensional ecology of the omniverse hypothesis and the dimension-based typology of intelligent civilizations in the exopolitical dimensions. These are various concepts that are developed in the book Beyond the Verse and, you know, that you go through, can facilitate and accelerate the comprehension of the secret space programs, the UFO and extraterrestrial data, and information by the earthly, earthly human public and by scientific, governmental, educational, religious, and media organizations. In other words, this is like 
the Rosetta Stone, the key that, that can come in and really unlock everything. Comprehension of omniverse reality. It eventually caused you know, the omniverse hypothesis and the science-based study of the spiritual dimension can facilitate and accelerate comprehension of true version of basic concepts of reality, such as soul, interlife, and source by the earthly human public and by scientific, governmental, educational, religious, and media organizations. Because now we're in a planet that has the, the, uh, uh, the legacy of the Tower of Babel. I mean, we're, you know, a planet that's on the verge of all, a thousand years ago we had Islam versus Christianity and the Crusades. A thousand years later, and they're doing it again. It's just repeat, repeat, repeat the cycles. Next slide. Uh, the role of souls in creation. The science-based study of the dimensional ecology of the exopolitical and spiritual dimensions of the omnibus reveals the centrality of the intelligent civilization of souls in the creation, maintenance, design, and ultimately incarnation in the universes of the exopolitical dimensions. In other words, the role of souls. Correcting misinformation. Humanity is now being misinformed about the true nature of the soul, of the interlife, of the mechanisms of reincarnation, and ultimately of source or God. Religions are a large source of such erroneous information. They are based on texts and ancient religious beliefs that are not scientifically correct and yet are considered sacred as a matter of faith. Next slide. For example, let's look at current public opinion. According to a 2011 Ipsos poll taking in 23 nations, these are like the G7 nations, the, the G20 nations, you know, the, the ones that are at the forefront. They own 75% of the GDP. So one half, 51%, definitely believe in a divine entity, compared to 18% who don't know, and 17% who aren't just sure. Similarly, 51% believe in some kind of afterlife, while the remaining half believe they will either just cease to exist or simply don't know 26%. About a year after, 7% of respondents believe in reincarnation, that's 7%. That's amazing because all of the universes of the multiverse were, were created. Their whole mission is so that souls can incarnate in bio-avatars and develop. That's the mission of the universes. One of the principal missions. And only 7% of the adults on this planet in the G20 countries, which is supposed to be the leaders, you know, they uh, know that. I mean, that's, that's utter cosmic ignorance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Oh. However, the bright side is that in the, in the Harris poll, 
44% of Americans believe in reincarnation. So at least Americans leave the G20 that only 7% of them believe in reincarnation. So Americans apparently brighter souls. <laughs> what about us Canadians, Alfred? Uh, I guess you're down in the 7%. I, I, mean, I mean, you have to go to that poll. Okay, next slide. Number 10, science and spirituality. The dimensional ecology of the omniverse hypothesis is itself a matrix for uh, recognition and classification of ongoing and new research into intelligent civilizations in the exopolitical and spiritual dimensions. This hypothesis brings science and spirituality together in a way that will return science to the proper study and understanding of the human soul and one may help restore understanding to supremacy over ignorance. To support and encourage this understanding is our duty as informed aware human souls. So, uh, next slide. So now, that is the, the omniverse equation, which is omniverse equals multiverse, the spiritual dimension. Very simple, it's like E equals, uh, you know, the very simple Einstein. Equation. Uh, and this is navigating the omniverse, so we're going to navigate a bit in the spiritual dimensions now. Now, omniverse equals multiverse plus the spiritual dimensions. So we're going to go into the spiritual dimensions now. And here we have, uh, that's a photographic representation of the interdimensional portal uh, between the afterlife dimension or the interlife dimension and our uh, time-space third density hologram that we're in now. And upon leaving, upon bodily death, our soul teleports through, you know, through this portal into the interlife. So, from a scientific perspective, uh, uh, there are various ways, uh, you know, that the science of parapsychology has scientifically begun to verify the continuation of bodily death, of consciousness after bodily death. And uh, this is, I guess, going back to sort of the beginnings of the science, you know, formal science in the, in the uh, mid-19th century, early and mid-19th century, there are verifiable apparitions of dead persons who come back into our dimension, walk around and interact with people. They aren't ghosts. They, they sort of come back. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's communication with dead persons via mediums. Most recently, technology has had a lot of impact, and because you're dealing with 
two different dimensions, which are, you know, they're discrete bands of frequencies of energy, uh, uh, instrumental transcommunication now provides for uh, video communication with the afterlife, uh, uh, com computer communication is like having a Skype with the afterlife. And uh, there are sites that you can go on and you can have Skype with people in the afterlife and verification of this. There are people who have talked with people, known persons in the afterlife by a cell phone because it is a focused energy and that's known as instrumental transcommunication. There's all science. There's cases, all of this is set out in the book Beyond the Verse, and then he goes into the whole research space for those who want to go into it more. There's um, studies of reincarnated consciousness, and that is uh, the whole area of study reincarnation. Uh, Dr. Ian Stevenson at the University of Virginia Medical School. Uh, recently, uh, there's a center there, and typically uh, children between the ages of about three to about nine will have spontaneous memories of prior lives, and Dr. Stevenson has shown in the form of social scientists will go back and document the prior lives and compare them to the spontaneous memory, and he has many scientific books based on this. Uh, the near-death experiences where people who have uh, gone up to the portal come back and reported, you know, having gone all the way through the portal and had conversations with people at the portal. Many times uh, I've spoken to people who have had uh, near-death experiences where uh, they say, uh, you know, so we're going to have children if they, we're going to have children in the future if they uh, chose to go back to Earth and chose to go back to Earth and re-inhabit and animate their body and things like that. And finally, over 7,000 cases of hypnotic regression uh, back to soul memories of the interlife. And that's how we know using laboratory protocol and replicable results, which are the basis of the scientific method, that we know a lot of the regularities of the human soul, of how the interlife and the afterlife work, uh, how souls are created, the interaction with source, the nature of source, etc. The works of Dr. Michael Newton and the community that he has. Uh, developed. So that's that's where uh, some of the database is. Interestingly, the chronomizer, which was originally developed in the Vatican uh, by two Vatican priests, is an instrument that the that the Pentagon, the U.S. Department of Defense. The Vatican turned it over to the Department of Defense to further 
developed it and the Department uh, of Defense developed it as a time travel. Uh, since our third density reality is a basically a time-space hologram of multiple timelines, then a roughly speaking a a chronovisor is like say a two-dimensional one is like a TV set that you can dial up the time-space coordinates of any point in history, past or future, and see what was happening at that particular time, because you're just dialing up the time-space coordinates, and that's what they used. Well, originally, uh, the two Vatican priests of the chronovisor as an instrument for communicating with the afterlife. And one of the priests communicated with his father, and that's how they discovered they were. So that shows you uh, that actually the chronovisor is an instrument for navigating the omnibus, navigating uh, both the spiritual dimensions and uh, the universes of the multiverse. Okay, next slide. Okay, so now uh, just some of the regularities of now the intralight. I think it was either last year uh, or the process of the like creation that. of souls. They but, uh, and most of the scientists, of course, like from World War II, they're in their late and 80s. And the souls are created like things of light. At a normal death, uh, you sort of float above the body, and then you, you know, typically World Health Board could be interventional. Portal, uh, the entry portal to the spiritual dimension. Now, there's a lot of controversy online. People are saying, don't go toward the light. That's where the reptilians are, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a lot of controlled studies that show otherwise. And I, I, there's just a lot of weirdness, okay, out, out there. And uh, these multiple tests have shown, I think, to be reputable science. Um, uh, in in uh, life, we're assigned uh, guides and so family members come to visit us to help us. Disoriented uh, souls account for, uh, you know, trauma and ghosts. Uh, after you pass over this uh, life review uh, and healing process, there's transition uh, areas, there's uh, placement areas, depending on your soul level, uh, there's, you know, our guides, et cetera, et cetera. Next slide. Okay. So, for example, uh, uh, we know a case study of the hybrid gray human soul project. This is from Suzanne Hansen, who's head of UFO New, New Zealand, and there's one specific species of gray teams, we know that we've 150 grays, that operates a hybrid gray human soul project in this quadrant of our galaxy, uh, in which hybrid gray human souls, they're a fusion soul, are incarnating into human avatar physical bodies in the dimension we call it of Earth and other planets in our region from apparent hyperdimensional bases in gray spaceships. 
In this way, the graves deemed they are helping participate in the spiritual evolution of earthly humanity by intermingling with humans and help raising the vibration on Earth. This is an example of how the omniverse functions uh, in areas of uh, uh, soil development and reincarnation. Uh, it looks like these areas can be subcontracted under specific conditions to species like advanced grades. Well, I have a guest Next coming slide. on. He's on right now. He's waiting to take okay. the floor. Okay. But, you know, uh, I really would love this to hear drawing, you. This drawing, which is by Suzanne Hansen-Hosen, and I'm sure you uh, shows you know, uh, two entities. Share with us. Is, uh, would you agree to come back on? Yeah. Uh, would that be okay? Uh, All right. I'm going to open up my calendar. What night? And they're comforting uh, Suzanne Hansen. How about next Thursday? Just a week from now, same time. She says she has a human height. And they were like leering at me, and I couldn't figure out what was going on. 
Because at that time, all the environmentalists were either housewives and students, right? All of a sudden, they got like 50 guys in suits down here in Washington, sort of looking at them, right? Because in 19, in the year 2000 and 2005, I published the book of Catholicism, which they had a copy of. You must have felt like you're under a microscope. Yeah.
1947 Operation High Jump, they whooped Admiral Byrd and had to go back. They just knocked the Jesus out of them. Okay. And Admiral Byrd took the U.S. Navy fleet down to Antarctica <laughs> and had their whole fleet the flying saucers that had laser weapons and, uh, you know. And that that uh, overflight in July 1952 of the U.S. Capitol that they said was UFOs, that was the Nazi fleet from Antarctica that flew over, caused the worldwide panic, and then threatened the U.S. and made them sign the secret treaties. What the Nazis have done is made the population think that they're ETs and made a lot of the military think that they're ETs, but they're really just the Nazis. Uh, 1950s solar warden, uh, that's the first U.S. Uh, secret space program uh, that was set up in S4 and Area 51. They reverse engineered uh, Nazi craft. There were three Nazi craft at Area 51, an alien craft. Uh, their cigar shape, they developed the, the, the cigar shape. Uh, um, craft also, and they had an R&D wing and they had a military wing that would patrol the solar system to keep unwanted visitors out. Then you had uh, number three, 1968-73 Project Pegasus. That was the secret DARPA CIA time travel teleportation program that went out and brought my book uh, from Responsibility for that. 
Um, Dick Cheney was a, a big time black ops operative in that. That's basically controlled by the Rockefellers in the U.S. And uh, uh, 1988, the CIA Mars Jumper program, that's what Obama's involved in. 1987, this is where Reagan comes in, this was Reagan's big uh, claim to fame. Reagan formed the uh, Global Galactic League of Nations, which all the members of the United Nations belong to. It's the secret space program of the United Nations and his big claim to fame. That's how he brought down the Cold War, brought down the Soviet Union, stopped the catastrophic timeline, made a friend out of Gorbachev. And when he did, Mr. Public doesn't know about, but it was in that 1987 speech, oh, if we unite against the common enemy, then everything's going to be better. And so what he did is that uh, they they uh, they brought everybody in. To, it's kind of like a Star Trek, the space exploration. Get everybody at peace. But it's not for war. And uh, what really got it started was that's why Thatcher and Reagan, it's very complex, but... We'll get into it later in a bit, but the, the, artificial, the invading extraterrestrial artificial intelligence began to take over the planet as the Falklands War, and Reagan has to be looked at as a cosmic hero because he basically stopped uh, the catastrophic timeline from destroying Earth by starting the Global Galactic League of Nations, although he wasn't perfect, but he basically did it. And what that, that thing operates, a NATO-type uh, secret space program, they operate outside the solar system with a tool-tachinator, which actually the Nazi drill uh, 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 first developed going back to 1940, but then solar warden uh, replicated they're an explorer type, and they don't conflict with the ICC, with the Interplanet Incorporated, or the Dark Fleet. Nobody messes with the Dark Fleet. The Dark Fleet, which is, uh, which is the Nazi, basically, the Nazis won the war, and they relocated to Antarctica, the Moon, and Mars. And nobody messes with them because they align with the reptilians and they operate mainly outside of the solar system now. And, and uh, uh, then there are rogue secret access projects. That's where, you know, Rumsfeld Phelps said the day before 9-11, where did that trillion dollars go? Mm -hmm. uh, they've suppressed. Uh, the brain, they suppressed all civilian. Otis Carr and Ralph Ring had already developed a space vehicle that had gone to the moon and back. And, and he was just a civilian, and they crushed Otis Carr and, you know, made him a madman, and they were just about to crush 
Ralph Ling, and that's a story that Ralph Ling brought to the public in 2006, that I was far was crushed by the secret space programs. Now, the other thing that's running in parallel is that there are a number of ancient space programs that are still running in parallel. One is that on the inner Earth, there's still survivors of the Atlantis that formed various inner Earth civilizations. There are ancient space programs that are on the moon. There are many civilizations that have parallel bases on the moon. And there's a, an elaborate social system on the moon where they don't cross over each other's territory and bases. And the same thing for the Mars. Next one. This is just uh, uh, from uh, our friends at UFO DC. Uh, that goes to show you uh, the top is uh, July 1952, the bottom is July 26, 2002. They're exactly 50 years apart. And for the longest time, I thought these were hyper-dimensional UFOs, but the, uh, the, the uh, 1952 and uh, 1947, forward, this is actually a, uh, an empty uh, overflight over Washington, and this is part of their penetration and takeover of the U.S. government, takeover of the public mind. And this is why the CIA made the UFO subject their vote, not because it was extraterrestrial, but because it was the takeover of the Nazis of the U.S. government, and that's basically of the, of the secret space program. And all the secrecy is about the secret space program and the seven different secret space programs that have been operating in parallel, and basically how the infrastructure, whether they're black hat or white hat, has been operating underground for the last 50 years or now 65 years. So those of us that interact with authentic EPs, what's been going on here has been very much largely about, about all the human SS secret space programs. Next slide. Okay, so this is just, for those who may not have seen it, this is some of the work of the Morris Lomley Research Society uh, just to show that there are different life forms on Mars. Uh, Mars is an inhabited planet with a third density humanoid civilization. There are three types of humans on Mars. Uh, there's uh, uh, humans that are very much like us, that are part of the great solar system catastrophe that happened about 11,500 years ago, they live in underground cities. Uh, you know, then there's like an E.T. Uh, gray-like creature, and there's a creature that's kind of in between that, you know, looks kind of very like rough and mean. Mm -hmm. There's all kind of reptilian creatures uh, at the poles of Mars, and supposedly there's uh, intelligent reptilian intelligent uh, insectoid. Uh, there's a lot of peacekeeping sometimes, combat between uh, 
the uh, U.S. forces that are guarding the Mars Colony Corporation and all of the Mars factories that, you know, slave camps there. So it's very, um, it's, it's a pretty rough planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, next slide. This is from the pre-catastrophe. You can see uh, on the left there, we call it the sarcophagus of the king. It's uh, Egyptian iconography, very much like the Nefertiti uh, statue. And, and um, uh, what it is is that prior to the solar system catastrophe, and we'll get to that in just a moment, Earth and Mars were a single interplanetary society because they had, you know, they had shuttles going back and forth between Earth and Mars. And uh, uh, you can go and on the surface of Mars, there's an enormous amount of public monuments which are in the same shape as they were when the catastrophe happened. Uh, next slide. Now, these are two versions of the catastrophe. You can see down here, you can see Mars, Earth, and there's a planet called Tiamat, which is uh, between Mars and Saturn. And that's a giant planet, which is now the asteroid belt. And so the theory is, there, there are two theories. One theory is that... Uh, a fragment of the supernova Vela came into the solar system, and uh, that fragment hit Tiamat. Mars got hit, got turned into an alloy planet. Earth got hit. Uh, our great maritime civilization, Atlantis, all of that was destroyed. Okay, so that's version number one. There's another version that's starting to float around now, which has yet to be verified by independent sources, but that comes out from the secret space program, and that is that there was a great interplan- uh, intraplanet solar system war uh, between Tiamat and other attackers and Mars, and Tiamat got blown up and uh, kind of a Star Wars, and uh, the current condition of Mars and Earth is what remains, and we're sort of digging ourselves out of that condition. So, you know, we're, we're, that's what ET disclosure is all about, disclosure of our prior condition. Next slide. Okay, so this is... Uh, Another of the stakeholders, if you want to call it that, uh, that is emerging more and more now, this is artificial intelligence, which is, it's not, it's not like us because it doesn't possess a soul. (laughs) And it's generally machine-based or plasma-based. So, uh, according to a whistleblower from the secret space program, Corey Good, he says that artificial intelligence has literally reaped 
havoc and conquered many galaxies. Uh, all the planets, all the sentient life, everything in an entire galaxy conquered by this AI. Yes, and it has a model in the way it works. It basically shoots itself in all directions as a signal, and this signal can live in the electromagnetic field of a moon or a planet. He said it lives in the electromagnetic fields of a planet. Not only that, but it can live in the electromagnetic or bioelectric fields of living beings, of humans, of animals. It doesn't prefer that. It prefers to live in high technology. But at its core, it's information, and the information is fractal and holographic. Yes, and in fact, technology takes over technology and has also evolved life. Like humans, it invades our bioelectrical fields and it begins to affect the way we think. The people that are pushing really hard for AI right now and to build out the infrastructure for the AI have been named AI prophets. Next slide. So, uh, if we go now and kind of go back to uh, the 1982 uh, Falklands War, uh, uh, just prior to that, in 1976, the Argentine government uh, had established a base on Southern Tool Island that's just north of Antarctica, uh, of, uh, of, the, uh, of the Falkland Islands. And it turns out that there was a large deposit of uh, plasma-based ex invading extraterrestrial artificial intelligence which they think have been left there as kind of a time bomb by a manipulatory ET race, which they had left it there that if they were ever pushed off the planet, they could detonate as a planet killer, you know. Uh, and ever since World War One, uh, there was a blue ET race at a base underneath the island, and the Blue ET race was working to deprogram that uh, AI, that uh, embedded AI in the black goo. Next slide. And what happened uh, is that uh, the Falklands War happened because the British and American intelligence uh, got intelligence that the Argentinians were interacting with and supporting the work of the, uh, the Blue ETs in deprogramming the AI and the uh, the the UK uh, and the American intelligence headed up by, this is where it gets really freaky, 
headed up by Thatcher and Reagan, um, wanted to get hold of that to weaponize it and maybe make a profit out of it. But it was like they were competing sides to get hold of the AI. So uh, uh, they attacked that base in 1982 and stole some of the AI. And uh, this is uh, 1982, uh, and the UN it's that second special session on disarmament where the uh, war kind of was ended. Uh, it went from April to June of 1982. And as it turns out, I, I was a non-governmental organization representative, and I was an accredited journalist, and I was 10 feet away from Margaret Thatcher in that photograph at her press conference in 1982, June, but I had no idea that that this was all about the invading artificial intelligence, that that's what was behind the scenes, okay? Next slide. Uh, which slide is that, just to confirm? Okay, we're coming up to 33. And so, uh, Ronald Reagan then, in 1985, 1988, 1987, is trying to get this public, uh, uh, this kind of, it's going around the world, trying to unite nations. This is where he, he, uh, goes to the UN in 87 and says, with the antagonisms of the moment, we often forget how much unites all members of humanity. Perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us realize this common bond. I occasionally think how quickly our differences would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And that was President Reagan, right? And uh, that was with, uh, and, and he was dealing with Gorbachev at that time. Uh, and at that time, I got the approval both Gorbachev to do the first live radio broadcast in history between the Soviet Union and the United States, which they also broadcast on on Radio Free America, or whatever they call it, and, and on National Public Radio, you know? And here I was this, this radio activist. I hired the NPR satellite for 25 bucks, you know, on my credit card, because I was a volunteer host at WBAI. So I think that Behind the scenes, I was like supporting this global ET thing and trying to get this AI, you know, out of the thing of the AI. It was very interesting. 
Next slide. And just to show, here was scientist Edward Keller, who we think of in a very negative capacity as uh, the inventor of the hydrogen bomb. He writes the secret memo telling that to Reagan, telling them that a great menace from space exists, right? A menace greater than the nuclear arms race exists. It does not originate here on Earth, but comes from space itself. But look at it this way. I don't think that this was a false flag, because what if they have the bluey team were deprogramming the AI since the time of World War One. The Argentinians, who knows? It was rumored that the Argentinians had always been fronting for the drill, for the Nazi drill people. And on the other side, you have the UK and Reagan and the U.S. people. So maybe what happened is that the U.S. was scared that the Nazis would get hold of, the Nazis would become friends with the Blue ETs and would get hold of the AI, and that therefore they leaked Edward Teller's memo. And that became the justification for the U.S. and the U.K. attack that became the Falklands War. Next slide. Next slide. I'll show you what happened. What happened immediately after that. Slide 35? Yeah. Okay. Because what happened immediately after that was that they took it back to Marconi Labs and uh, the embedded AI, the black goo escaped, and all the lab workers died in mysterious, gruesome deaths, like from a horror film. It escaped into the satellite system, and it escaped as nanites into our general machine, AI, and bio-environment. And so now you have the AI's loose out there, and it's terraforming as a terraforming nanotechnology plasma invading human tissue. In other words, all of that is from the chemtrails, which now 80% of humans are infected with from having breathed in the nanobots from chemtrails over various areas of the planet. And they've investigated what the chemtrails are, and you can see photographs of them there. They invade human tissue, and they're 
a specific disease, Morgellons disease, which is a splice, DNA, RNA, in response to a frequency input. Everybody now has latent Morgellons, and it is a communicable nanotechnology, an invasion of human tissue in the form of self-assembling, self-replicating nanotubes, nanowires, and nano-arrays with sensors, and it's terraforming the entire human DNA to make it over into AI and train robotoids. Next slide. So here we have a lady uh, who has more gallon and uh, all of that is just saliva that comes out of her mouth that she just gathers and all of that brown goo is the gather the goo that comes out of the side of her mouth. And now you can do the red wine spit test where you take red wine and you spit in the bottom of the glass container and you will see wires moving around in the saliva. Meaning that everybody on Earth has more gallons now, meaning that they have these nanobots that are busy terraforming our DNA over into artificial DNA, RNA of the AI, the artificial intelligence. Next slide. Now, let's look at the positive side. Okay, so how do we create a positive future along Earth's organic timeline? Now, I've been studying this since 1973 when I wrote my first book on the global coastal event, the planet X, the catastrophic timeline, called The Age of Cataclysm. And it was published by G.P. Putnam's uh, in 1974, and it was in all the airport bookstores, and I was on TV and everything. And uh, what happened is that a global coastal event that was to have occurred around June 2013, and most of you probably know what a global coastal event is, and that is that when the planet is hit by major celestial bodies, like an asteroid or comets or, you know, a major thing like caused the KT event with the dinosaurs, so that you have tsunamis on all coasts that are, you know, hundreds of feet high, mile high, and that it's, it's devastating, okay? In a global coastal event that was to have occurred around June 2013 uh, had been seen by Edgar Casey in remote viewing, number one, had been seen by the largest group of military-trained remote viewers ever gathered in history by Dr. 
Courtney Brown of the Farside Institute. He gathered them in 2010, and in June 2013, we foresaw. Uh, you know, devastation in all major coastal cities. Uh, the U.S. Capitol underwater, the uh, Sydney Opera House underwater, all of it. In a 1971 DARPA CIA coronavirus probe that Andy was one of the chrononauts uh, that went on it, that uh, did a probe to uh, June 2013 and saw the U.S. Supreme Court building under 100 feet of water. And that's what Andy did. He went on a chronovisor from 1971 to 2013 and saw the U.S. Supreme Court building under 100 feet of water. And so he had those three major forward time probes. And none of them materialized. Why? Because the positive future equation and the positive future timeline came into full activation around December 21st, 2012, when the Earth's organic timeline was activated and detached from an AI artificial intelligence timeline that had been overlaying Earth's organic timeline. In other words, we were under AI attack. But at, at that point, the being Earth, Gaia, plus all of the united souls, plus the structural action of that had been set out in the Mayan calendar, which was a map of the uh, cosmic signal coming through the interdimensional portal into our universe was such that we shifted timelines to a new timeline, to a new positive timeline that uh, Dr. Carl Johan Kalman called Heaven on Earth. Okay? So we are now in the transition time from the catastrophic timeline over to Heaven on Earth. We're in, we're in the shift over, and a lot of people don't know where they are. Yeah. Okay, because it's like the hologram has shifted, and they don't know if they're in the old movie or the new movie, or they don't know where they're at, because we're inside of a virtual hologram now. We are incarnated inside of a hologram. The universes are like holograms. It's like if you incarnated inside the hologram that's inside your ATM card. <laughs> Okay. Okay, next slide. Now, what can we say about the positive science? Okay, number one. Uh, from the point of view, there's a lot that's up for grabs now. And what we're trying to do is to navigate the omniverse what we've just learned, to a destination of disclosure and density of energy. In other words, we don't want to navigate our planet into the ditch, right? We want to navigate it into disclosure and density of energy up from 
a third time space than to the into a love base frequency. And for most of us, it's going to be like easy because we are souls that have come in for that purpose. Uh, and uh, there are a whole other, uh, you know, as, as we saw earlier, if you look at, say, the 100% of souls on the planet, 42% of them are beginner souls, 57% of them are intermediate souls, and 1% of them are advanced souls. So what happens is that the dark forces go after the 42% and just fool them and keep them in here so they want to send. In other words, that's what's going on in the arena. And basically, souls have very difficult time learning service to others, the empathic connection to others, unity consciousness. Unity consciousness began to land here as the primary frequency as of December 21st, 2012. And what do you see? You see all of this fear mongering, right? Yeah. I mean, it, the fear mongering has just gone out of the roof, but it's less and less credible. So it depends on perception. So it, it, it's, it's a real fight and a real fight of war to kind of lighten up the passengers on the spaceship, if you get my meaning. Now, what does it mean? Now, for service to others, for the requirement of ascension, this is according to one system, is that according to your life, you've got to be at least 51% committed to service to others. Okay? So that in balance, you're that much, you know? This is a fairly easy test, I think. And what service to self means is that you're committed to yourself, to your tribe, to your community, to your nation overly. For example, Nazism is overly committed to self, to tribe, community, to nationism. Or Nazism, really. I mean, Zionism. They're overly committed to self, tribe, community, and nation. They're totally committed to the notion of racial superiority, right? Instead of the fact that we're just souls having a developmental time in a bioapposite. You know? Like, relax already. You follow me? <laughs> and and uh, so, the important things are the density levels going from. Uh, uh, the density levels are really octaves of light, of energy consciousness, uh, the each galactic core transmission lasts a revolution around uh, the, the, the um, international portal, which is our galactic black hole, and the service to others, ETs, the positive ETs, are here to assist humanity 
in the smooth transition of ascension. That's why they're here, as are uh, the spiritual guides, the positive ET alliances, the higher density beings. Now, there's some people, like if you were to go into the majority of secret space programs, they would say, well, the majority of humans are not going to ascend to fourth density. They're going to be taken to other third density planets to continue to evolve so that the Earth can continue as fourth density planet. In other words, there's a tremendous amount of gossip around there and rumor, right? Like yesterday, a video came out saying that Oh, Planet X is going to get, the brown dwarf is going to get here in November of 2017. And then somebody said, yeah, that's the etheric Planet X that's going to merge with Earth and become the fourth density Earth. You know, like people are just, you know, and then they gave a reference. And so, yeah, so, oh, maybe that's the fourth density Earth that's actually coming into view. And then, you know, so, like, there's all this awareness that's starting to happen, but there's not, not much hard information. Because if you go and try to find it in the matrix or in the normal channels, it's very difficult to find. It's probably usually and, cause confusion, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so... There's, right now, there's kind of a tug between giving humans this sort of full picture uh, of what's been going on and saying, how are people going to be able to absorb this, you know, and the elites of this planet fighting for 100 more years of cover-up so they continue the money system and continue the slavery and not get prosecuted for slavery and have a controlled disclosure. And that's what, say, in the United States, the Hillary Clinton administration is about. She's probably, in my judgment, although I could be wrong, the next pre-identified U.S. president. And John Podesta, who organized the 1993 to 96 uh, Lawrence uh, Rockefeller Initiative of ET Disclosure. See, in the United States, the Rockefeller brothers are like an organized coven, those that remain. What they did is that they took all the Rockefeller brothers and they formed like an alliance of the secret space program. In other words, John D. Rockefeller made a trillion dollars off of World War One, oh, yeah. And in World War Two, you know, they make money off of both sides. And like in World War, and like after that, in basically the Rockefellers make the money off the secret space programs. So they only want partial disclosure because if there's full disclosure, not only are they going to lose the profits of the secret space programs, but they're going to be prosecuted as war criminals instead of support of the establishment. So what they did is that they had a plan. All the Rockefeller brothers are like a coven, 
the, the when when they were alive and then their interests and their ears get carried out. David, Lawrence, Winthrop, um, the government here, Nelson, you know. Now, I happen because of my history to be involved with Muslim. In nineteen sixty six I was set up at a meeting because of the time travel, because they had brought back my book, at least 1971, which is more like 1966, the secret time travel program, see, because the CIA and the secret time travel program are just like government arms of the corporate, uh, of the corporate empire, the Rockefellers. In other words, a lot of the secret time travel program was carried out on the corporate campuses of the Rockefeller corporations like Exxon. So they had, and their president, Richard F. Nixon, and their family advisor, Henry Alfred Kissinger, was the Rockefeller, was the U.S. National Security Council in charge of the, you know, with oversight over all of this. And he was the Rockefeller family advisor. And Donald H. Rumsfeld was the U.S. defense attache in charge of the time travel program. So they got all this feedback, right? You see what I'm saying? So they knew about 9-11 30 years in advance in 1971. So 9-11 was a big setup to have the war on terror. Uh, Because the reason why the U.S. is so run down is that all taxpayer and government funds are simply followed out the fund, which is the space program, and that's why America has no roads and no public infrastructure, and it looks like a third world country. Yeah. All, you have to, all you have to do is cross the border from Canada into the U.S. It's like going from the U.S. into Mexico. I'm sorry to say that. It's true, I'll uh, Canadian, that's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, basically what happened is that in 1976, I, I'm a student at Yale Law School, and I'm set up at a meeting at Yale Law School. Governor Winter Art uh, Rathbeller comes to Yale Law School, and I'm suddenly meeting with him with two or three other students at the Yale Law School faculty there with his cowboy boots and everything. And what am I doing here? Well, uh, Seven years later, Bill Hillary Clinton, of which Clinton Rockefeller is the Arkansas sponsors of Bill and Hillary Clinton in Arkansas, are at Yale Law School, which he knew because of time travel, because I was at Yale Law School because of time travel, so the whole thing gets started to set up. And then right after that, they grieved Bill Clinton in 1970 that he was going to be a future president two years before he graduates from Yale Law School. And then in 1993, Lawrence Rockefeller brings Hillary Clinton. This is the first year of the Bill Clinton presidency. And brings her up to the ranch in Wyoming and then recruits 
all of the creme de la creme of the exopolitical in the UFO field and brings them to his ranch and then funds this big Rockefeller initiative to have Bill Clinton look into the UFO story and Hillary Clinton, the photograph of the book We Are Not Alone, with Lawrence Rockefeller. But the whole thing is a front for releasing a report on the UFO meme, you know, and covering up the secret space program, which all you're going to talk about is UFOs, which you control anyway because they're your space program. They're, they're just your vehicles from the secret space program. Okay? And, and uh, uh, so then you keep the 1993 Rockefeller Initiative, which was organized by John Podesta, who was Bill Clinton's uh, chief of staff, until 2017, when Hillary Clinton becomes president, which you know about from time travel identification, and then you have John Agesta come in, and you put Obama and Hillary Clinton on um, Jim Kimmel, and then the disclosure that you have in 2017 or wherever is of the, this is what Hillary Clinton said it in, um, on Jim Kimmel Live, the unacknowledged aerial phenomenon. In other words, whatever you're going to disclose is just your own your own UFOs from <laughs> your secret. <laughs> and you're not gonna do you're not gonna disclose that you have these space colonies, these slave colonies, the sixty million scientists making making technology that's bartered to over nine hundred star civilizations. Okay. Wow. You're not gonna disclose that. And, and uh, all of that's going to continue, that, that uh, they're, they're uh, slave masters in a galactic dark empire. This is like the dark empire, you know what I mean? So that is what we have to seek full disclosure of. That is what Andy Bashad is trying to fully disclose. And what we're trying to fully disclose in a series of, of public workshops that we're starting to do, this, this is kind of the first, the first presentation that we're doing of this. And next weekend, my, my wife, Jerry, and I will be doing this jointly at the uh, Body, Soul, and Spirit Expo here in Vancouver. Uh, so... Next slide. Uh, so, according to this research, it is very rare that the Earth as a whole would, would ascend at once, uh, uh, but we can still be aware uh, of the intelligent energy in nature and aware of the intelligent energy in ourselves. Um, 
I, I am bringing out this information about the omnivores and about disclosure and about density ascension and about all the experiences that I've had going back to 1966 with the Rockefellers, the Clintons and all, the, the scam that they're running and making that known and, you know, working with all of the disclosure forces from Andy and working with Ray and working with you all and everything. And I just urge everybody here uh, uh, to uh, to do the uh, the uh, thing. So thank you very much. Thank you, Albert.
you know, basically the AI paradoxically is living inside the plasma of your smartphone, inside the plasma of your TV set, inside the plasma of the Skype that we're looking at now. So all your political campaigns, all your ads, all this kind of stuff, anything that takes you into an artificial timeline is run by AI. So you want to stay down as authentic as you can. You want to really make distinctions as to what is authentically ET, if you're into ET.
are other souls replaced? Like, are, does the Creator create new souls to start a journey? How does this all kind of work? What happens? Yeah, yeah, that, that is a very, very good question. And, um, uh, you know, each, each soul is, is uh, unique because we're, uh, and we, we each have, like, a universe career. We each have, because we're developing into our own gods, kind of, and our own specialties, you know, some of are healers, speakers, teachers, you know, each of the different fads. And so, all of those questions, if you want to go more in depth, I would, uh, you can start out with the omniverse yep. and you get more into the books of Dr. Michael Newton. You know, it's like a whole course of study to right. get more deeply into those books. But the knowledge that I plan to bring by the omniverse is that it's not that ETs are over here and the spiritual beings are over here. It's a single integrated system. I just have one more question, then I'm going to turn it over to Ian. Here's a question. Um, yeah. Or whoever. Else. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Um, my other question is, okay, when we have, we all have family problems and friend problems and all those kinds of things, but when you have an especially difficult person in your life who you cannot just kick out of your life, what what can you do in order to make sure that your vibration stays high and isn't lowered? How can you kind of achieve a, a balance when it's so difficult to do that, when you know that if you go down there, that you're lowering your vibration, you're not going to raise it and ascend? So what kind of advice yeah. can you give for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a really crucial question, and many times people like that will incarnate as your family members, as you know. There's always the bio-avatar, which is the outer and the person, and then there's the soul inside. And very often, two souls that have had a difficult situation over a long time will incarnate in a particular situation to work things out. Okay? So the most, the most, uh, the highest thing is to always be aware with double vision, and that is that. It's not only the human situation, but constantly there's the karmic situation. Like, why, why have I incarnated opposite this person? And, you know, and, and like, I use, this, there's a Hawaiian Hawaii, 
and he didn't see any of his his uh, his Italian personally at all. He would go to, his, to the hospital and he would have files, and then he would pray on each one every day. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I love you. I'm sorry for creating you as my criminally insane patient. Forgive me for doing so. I love you. And he would do that every day. And they were and they were cured. And and he never went near them. You can look it up online. So that if you're having a particularly difficult karmic you know, especially karmic situation. It could be like not a human problem, but it's too so. You don't have to go near that person. You just say, I'm sorry. Like, visualize that person. Like, in the morning when you get up, and just say, I'm sorry for creating you as a person I'm having problems with. Please forgive me for doing so. I love you. You know, and put that effort behind it and do it day after day. Like, that's more local. And then maybe, like, a month later, you'll find the whole thing just goes away. Okay. okay thank you for answering my question. Mm -hmm. I'll hand the floor over to the Anybody else got a question? I do. Anybody else? I do. You got a question? Go ahead. Come on. You go first. Come on. You go first. I'll go after them. Mm -hmm. Hello, this is Lightbearer. Hey there. Uh, are you familiar with the entity Ramtha? Oh, I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> it is uh, an attempt toward dissension ballot. You know, I, I, I don't, I, I haven't followed Ramtha in a long, long time. Uh, I uh, had some interaction with Ranta in uh, the 1970s and 80s, but I haven't been close to that entity in so long that I can't say anything specifically about them. Well, what was your view back then when you were in touch? Uh, Ranta was uh, consulted by uh, a couple of people that I was associated with. One was uh, Chidananda, who was a, a friend of mine, uh, who was um, uh, son, son, son Yasin uh, at the time uh, of, of Rashmish, and who used to consult him all the time. And uh, I forget who else Ramtha used to consult. And so uh, Shubhananda asked Ramtha one time, what about Alfred? And Ramtha said, Alfred's, Alfred's at the line between genius and madness.
those are political questions. I mean, I think that the Federal Reserve obviously was one of the most evil things that happened to humanity and was the single thing that turned the 20th century into the trial house. You know, it, it, it really was the blow that, that killed the United States, that brought in World War One, that brought in World War Two, that brought in the end of the United States, and that has been the end of any policy, you know, the end of Abraham Lincoln, the end of John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Although Kennedy was killed by the secret space program because he wanted to expose, expose it. So, uh, uh, as to what, what role Rand Paul, that's a specific question, and I just can't answer that specific question, but that I know that that has to germinate. I mean, Andrew Pichago supports it. No other politician that I know of supports it, except, you know, all the candidates that are, you know, that support it are at the fringe of the political system. So, what can I say? And what is Trump's role in all this right now and uh, uh, the other Republican that's running? Okay, there's, there's a lot of theories about Trump. Okay. It turns out that in 2011, I was in direct written communication with Sheriff Joe Arpaio and sent to him uh, in detail, all of the information about the Barry Satoro, Barack Obama connection, uh, uh, yielding him back to Sarbarka uh, and uh, the Secret Time Travel pro Program, which then uh, Trump took to New Hampshire in 2012 before. Uh, Obama uh, uh, sandbagged him at the Washington Correspondence Center in 2012 by showing up with the, uh, and making public the fraudulent person. Uh, and uh, I thought Trump was a straight shooter then, then all of a sudden Trump got in now, and I think that they've infected his mind with nanites because he, he walks around with all the symptomology, in my judgment, as a working expert on artificial intelligence, like a remote-controlled AI robotoid human, and they can just make a gentle use and say the most impossible thing. So the difference between Donald Trump in 2011 and Donald Trump in 2016 is huge. Now, I heard that Donald Trump was made an offer. He couldn't refuse to go out there and do exactly what he's doing now, which is destroy the Republican uh, uh, Party <laughs> and blow it so that Hillary's going to win. And uh, they made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Because if you look into Trump, Trump is nothing more than Resorts International, which is the CIA. He's just a front man. And, and so there you have it. Okay. What about Ted Cruz? <laughs> Ted Cruz is another, uh, you know, he's uh, a Cuban-American from Canada. I'm a Cuban-American from Canada. Yeah. 
<laughs> and he, he just says, die, and it's just another uh, dark valley. You know. Is it going to be any worse than Hillary? No. Hillary, I mean, put it this way. Okay, it's just, uh, it looks like it's going to be Hillary, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, it's going to be Hillary and the limited disclosure, and we all know people around Hillary, so we just have to keep on packing them with light as much as we can, which is what we've done for the last 50 to 60 years. I mean, I was a, a, a Clinton delegate at the 1996 Texas, Texas Democratic Convention. I was elected, you know, and so uh, you just got to keep on putting as much light into the system as you can and and backing away from the dark, and that's, and that's kind of what I do. Thank you. We got one more question. Ian. Is you have a question? No. Nope. Mine's wrong. Yeah. Okay. We've had him on too long. <laughs> All right. How you doing, Alfred? I'm the video guy. Oh. Anyway. All right. One quick question. You've already verified part of my question, so you already answered part of it. Uh, do you feel that Kennedy also wanted to tell the public about the secret uh, ET alliances? Right. That's why he was killed. Yeah, okay. I know you want to talk about the SSP, but I wasn't sure about the others. And do you feel like Dwight Eisenhower possibly wanted to do the same thing? Dwight Eisenhower was threatened into signing this, but he was hoodwinked because he signed treaties with all their own people. Yeah, that was Alfred Alfred Webry. He used to be uh, work at the Pentagon. I believe he was on the 9/11 Commission, uh, the investigation team, and uh, he's he's worked for government years for years and years. He, uh, as you heard, he knows all about the artificial intelligence, the supercomputer. He's well-informed and has even had interviews about targeted individuals. He knows the host's bang. 
He knows FFCHS. He knows Derek. Uh, he's well known within the community, and uh, he has a different uh, insight on what this really is. You know, along with kind of concurs with some of the things I believe that the the artificial intelligence is running on its own. There's nobody pushing buttons. And he can concur with that. It's it's self-governed. And that's what the deal is, is when they flipped that switch on to this thing, the computer, it automatically started taking over immediately. Uh, there was no mind that could master this. It was mastering people's minds. All, all of the workers around the facility, they was all overtaken, overtaken by the artificial intelligence instantly when they turned the machine on. It took over. And, uh, and uh, you know, it does use people, like, within the facility where this is coming from. You know, you got some bad guys in there, I'm sure. Well, uh, it uses people like that, you know. It's not going to use someone that's going to try to hunt it down and track it down and shut it, shut it off. It will keep a tab on them people and keep them under control. But uh, it uses these bad guys, these psychopaths and all. Uh, for its advantage to keep gaining control over more of the population and more. So uh, he believes a lot like I do in the same theories. And he even links it up with uh, UFOs. Uh, This technology came from a downed ship. They unplugged it from the ship. When they put it in a building and they plugged it back up to the electricity, the thing took over. It took over is what is what actually happened. Now they got plenty of research where they've dove all into this with our military and research, and they've been doing hand-me-down technologies from this supercomputer. But the, the supercomputer was uh, unplugged and then plugged back up, and it took over. It's the same thing as it's the same. There's no difference in it from being in the ship. It was a superior. The aliens have bigger brains than we got. They got more capacity than we have. They are able to work things where we are not. It's even in the Bible that uh, when when this artificial intelligence was returned back on, plugged back in, it took over all human brains instantly. A human brain will not control this thing. So that's what that's what we're dealing with is uh, this artificial intelligence.
Oh, that must mean that nobody's on the call, right? This is bullshit.
Okay, here we go. I'm good with that. Okay, I just had a question about um, the potentiality that you guys might go to Russia to the yes. Snowden, that rumor. Yes, that's real. Um, that's I have great. that capability um, to go. I have a friend in Finland who's going to take me and Dr. Seth Barber, my psychologist, into his home, and we're going to travel... And we could do this with other TIs. I invited other TIs to join us. Um, we're going to fly to Finland and then go from there, possibly like Switzerland. But we're going to end up through Russia to like Moscow. And we have to arrange this through, you know, some of the, tar- you know, whistleblowers and maybe, maybe Stone's lawyer. We have to get Snowden to want to meet us. And we're going to take him probably Dr. Robert Duncan's books and his neuropsychological and electronic neurotest torture report. And we're going to ask Snowden, please post something on this, that the space capability that NSA has in directed energy with this link to Dr. Robert Duncan's neuropsychological and neurotest torture report on your uh, Twitter. And if he does it, that instantaneously would be like a psychological warfare bomb going off across the globe. This targeting business would be done because people would know what direct energy is and where it's coming from. And then the media can run articles on it, stuff like that. Now, everything Snowden talks about tends to be highly covered by the media on Twitter. And he's got a lot of followers. So, that's why he's important. That's why we go see him. He's the only one of the whistleblowers that we know of that actually has that power. Um, I mean, the other whistleblowers, I don't know if they could do it or not or pull it off, but they don't get as much media coverage. But if Snowden fucking posted on Twitter, it gets covered. He's got a lot of power. He's installed himself as one of the most powerful whistleblower mechas. Um, and he can compete with the government psychological warfare. Um, where he could put messages out to the mass population on stuff, which would get people help. Because people need to start seeing this as real. But psychologically, due to their mental illnesses and their mental states, they're not seeing it as real, and they're not acting accordingly. Okay, well, um, are you ready to take... Thank you for answering that question. Can I go ahead and um, let another caller in? Yeah. Okay, great. Hold on one second. Southern California? Hey, Todd, can you hear me? Yeah. Hi. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. It's very fascinating. Um, first of all, I did see Staninger and Kidder, and I feel like they started targeting me once I met Staninger. Um, like, all this shit really just started happening. I had this weird skin issue that I went and saw her. And then they started literally full-blown targeting me about two months into it. Like, And then when I saw Kidder, she said I had five signals coming from satellites. Um, she didn't say exactly where in my body these were coming from. And then they, the targeting went full-blown. Um, I was having some medical issues in, in the hospital about a month and a half ago. 
and I said I was exposed to advanced nanotechnology, and they put me up in the psych ward for a week and dosed me with antipsychotics. So mm-hmm. stuff is so... In- I mean, you're such a... Oh, God. Uh, you're in a level with Snowden with me, man. I, But I... I I had hope that Stanger was like worth her salt, you know. But what happened was that when I was seeing, I, I saw a psychiatrist here when, uh, about six months ago, who I told him, you know, that I saw. I gave him. I I, I willingly went to a psychiatrist because I was trying to get some relief. Um, my parents brought me there. I had to go see this guy, and I told him the story that I saw Stanger. And he called her and thre- threatened to call the CIA and the FBI on her. And he denied it to me. I think it was a perp. But from this moment on, she won't talk to me ever again. And it's like, I don't know. A lot of people swear by her, but I didn't get any relief. And all this stuff happened after I met her. Mm. Yeah, def- she's definitely a shady character. Uh, I would, like I'm telling everyone, like I said, just worry about getting your money back. Uh, there is no central source that I know of that will help for $2,000. And she's seen that hundreds of TIs. That's, that's a lot of money she's managed to extort and not help a single person. She claims to even have lawyers and doctors and stuff she knows that will help after you've seen her. But that has not materialized for anybody. I would be concerned that she she kind of sabotaged the meeting with your psychiatrist and didn't actually help at all. Uh, right. And she, she has no intention to help. She might have even told you a fake story. You know, did you talk to your psychiatrist and ask if he kind of denied it to me and I found out from one of her assistants what had happened, and coincidentally, on the same day that, like, she was threatened by my psychiatrist, um, the lawyer, the guy who wanted $999 to take me on supposedly a case against Monsanto, got beaten up by gang stalkers with baseball bats. She thought it was because of the psychiatrist and linked me to it. And because of this event, she won't ever talk to me again. I mean, it's very strange, and I had nothing yeah. to do with it. Well, with Ken Posner, all Ken Posner did was share his report with lawyers, me, Dr. Rod Duncan, Dr. Seth Farber, and Dr. Claude Ross, and his own doctor. And she went berserk over that. She flipped out on that. Um, and then has not contacted any of us. I don't think even Kim Posner in a while. Wow. She threatened to steal us, but didn't actually follow through. Also. Well, somebody said that she's connected to the CIA, and I ha- I mean, I have my... Initially, I had my doubts, but now, like, something says that something's fishy and... Oh, I worried about that, too, because with TIs really are coming across perps who are setting themselves up to look like they're 
you know, there to help people and stuff. And so in, within our community, there are levels of control being used on us where you have fake leaders and people like Stanger who could possibly either, if she's not just a scammer playing on everyone, like she doesn't intend to help anyone when she takes their money, besides writing reports that she thinks will satisfy their own delusion. She might be treating us all, all the people like they're delusional just to take their money. Um, by writing a report that fits with what the person believes. And it's not even, like, spot on with what the person believes. It's, you know, it'll say the person has a bunch of implants um, when, you know, they might be getting it. They might believe that you know, they're being targeted with electronic warfare from, you know, satellites and radar. But if, if that's really going on, that's just, you know, like it's causing you to spin your wheels when you go to her and waste a lot of time um, and prevent you from doing anything else um, to seek help until, you know, maybe you get financially drained as well. So I I just recommend just pursuing her as like a, a, someone to be sued, getting like a class action against her or something, or individually all going in and suing. Uh, if I did that, you think it would stop stop my targeting if I did that? No, no, I don't. Now, if your targeting increased from it, um, that's something that can't be stopped. The government is the one running this, and they target whoever they want. And I have not seen or heard of anybody being able to negotiate any type of reduced amount of targeting at all. You can't file an injunction. You can't get any help. Right. Her reports are basically considered bogus, like from every person I showed them to, including doctors. And I mean, it's, but she did yeah, that, say that I had nanomaterials inside my body. And that's the only one who's ever been able to do that. Well, yeah, she says that, um, and but the thing is, saying it and actually knowing it to be true and having some scientific test that shows it, the different things. Uh, now, are people being tortured with biocommunications and directed energy? Yes, 100%. Have, has the government used implants on people many times before? Yes. If you go back in time to MKUltra, easy to find stories on implants being used and directed energy. Uh, in the 1960s, uh, Leonard Till, a Polaroid inventor, is one of the first. It's very easy to find stories about him who was implanted by a UCLA doctor and a Boston medical doctor, two psychiatrists, and his brain was wired up with little studs. It mutilated him and ruined him. Now, the doctors proclaimed it was a great success, probably because he didn't die. Um, but he was actually a traumatized mess, never functioned again. And uh, he went around the country uh, just, you know, claiming he was being killed with microwaves. And that's one of the utilities they had to control, you know, the electrodes that were installed in him. 
whether or not he was being controlled all over the place or just when he was in custody, I have no clue. I haven't got as far as reading a book by Dr. Peter Bragan, MD, the psychiatrist uh, who helped uh, form CCHR. Today, has testified hundreds of cases against the pharmaceutical industry. You see his website, Bragan.com. He has a wealth of information on mind control. He doesn't just fight uh, pharmaceutical companies and electroshock. He was back there like a real psychiatrist working at Harvard University where they also implant patients. If you went to uh, Harvard as a patient, you would be admitted to the ward where they would secretly implant you and put the implants like in your brain and different parts of your body. And then doctors would be sitting there behind, you know, with their control panel or even like some military people. And they're sitting there fucking with you, controlling you secretly. And you don't even know what's being done. You're living with the effects of it. You might not even be aware. You might not be perceiving it. When Peter Bracken says that stuff's happening, it happened. And he has stuff on his website, Bracken.com. They did a lawsuit. This is happening also in another place, another hospital, Michigan. Uh, Michigan, I don't know what it was called, but there in Michigan, there was a hospital that was partly funded by the U.S. Department of Justice and the CIA, while the program itself was funded by them for behavioral modification, and they were looking at how to control aggression and, like, mental patients and prisoners and stuff. And what they did there in the 70s, they were with, you know, they claimed that they were getting consent from people at that point, you know, that they would give you the opportunity to choose to have the implants installed or not. But, you know, the courts later found out or just determined that you could not possibly uh, consent to something that was just going to hurt you. So they tested these implants on people in Michigan. When an outside lawyer uh, catches wind of this and files a habeas corpus on behalf of the patients at the hospital, and it's one of the first cases, probably the very first and only mind control case that ever won in history, um, Hamowitz versus Michigan. Um, Peter Bragan testified, multiple other experts uh, to defend the patients, and it was ruled unconstitutional as a First Amendment violation. So it was banned. Uh, it wasn't just the implantation. It was the psychosurgery and the lobotomy itself that was banned. Now, the state never appealed this case, and it was, you know, reviewed and multiple judges within the court, you know, wrote this opinion. It wasn't just one judge. It was a team of judges. Um, it's never been appealed. The decision is still in effect today. That case could help people today sue um, for this type of thing happening today. Now, what the government's done is, I mean, there might be some more implantations still going on out there. There might be lobotomy. Now, I haven't heard of it happening too much, but if anyone does that type of stuff or they put an implant in your your brain like under Obama's brain initiative, that's a First Amendment violation. Um, Dr. Peter Bragan went on info. Huh? Have you heard of the Larson report, David Larson? He was supposedly won a lawsuit. Uh, You could Google it, the Larson report, uh, against... um, I guess one of these uh, 
professors at UCLA who invented the stencil technology. And he was one of, and they were, I guess they had implanted him and they show the implants in it and he won the case. But I, I tried to find him when I was in Los Angeles and I was unable to. But supposedly that's what Staniger told me to check out the Larson report. That he actually won a case. And I saw a document of Staniger going into court and trying to testify that this one of her clients was being targeted by the CIA and the FBI and she the case was thrown out of court. Because you have to convince a jury of twelve people that this actually exists and it it was it's very, very hard to do. That's one of the stumbling blocks about being a TI. Like you know, convincing the masses that this is actually going on. I know Dave Voigt is doing it, but the general population thinks we're all nuts and delusional, just like that New York Times article. And I do have to say, I've spoken to Dr. Seth Farber several times. He's helped me out greatly. He's an amazing gentleman. Yeah, he's legitimate. I can vouch yeah. 100%. He is one of the few legit people out there trying to help him. When I was in the he mental hospital, they, they kept saying, like, oh, what is this? You were exposed to nanotechnology. And I'm like, I was. And then they then they wrote me a prescription for, I didn't take it for, like, two days. But then they wouldn't let me, like, get out of there until I took their medication, that forced medication that put me on antipsychotics. They're poison. Yeah, it's 100% poison. It has a dual purpose. I mean, the fake purpose, they claim, is to re- help with your schizophrenia. But... And, and they lie about its mechanics of work. They say it's to correct, like, uh, chemical imbalance. But that's all fake. There is no chemical imbalance. Um, now, what it really does is it binds to your dopamine and other receptor sites in the brain. Right. And it acts as, like, a communication disruptor. So your brain is trying to do its quantum mechanics thing, and it's moving energy and matter from cell to cell, um, in this case, between the synapse, you know, one side of the one nerve will communicate the other side, you know, and I don't know all of what's happening at that level, but these drugs are designed to go in there at the, the receptor site level right there in the synapse and prevent, like, dopamine and serotonin and adrenaline and norepinephrine and other stuff from actually binding to the receptor site on the receiving uh, nerve cell. So the communication will be completely blocked. This will erase memories, inhibit function. And from there, you know, it just creates death and destruction as a particle level. I believe the brain just starts, you know, screwing itself up at that point, if it can't do what it needs to do to sustain itself and build memories and build structures and send signals through, chaos is just created within the brain. It's like putting a, a log in a river, and what happens? Well, the, the river is no longer just flowing downstream as it's supposed to. It's backing up and overflowing and flooding, and different changes start to happen. The fish can't go through anymore to get, you know, downstream quite as well as they used to. 
Well, I already heard him say quite a few things wrong, this Todd Griffith, that uh, he takes a little bit of truth and throws in this imaginary makeup stuff that he believes, which is, he's saying it's scientific fact that uh, there's nothing wrong with your brain. They say that there's... Your, fi- your brain's not firing like it's supposed to, and that the medications help. Okay, I- I'd like to go right into that. I have personal experience with that, where the doctors claim uh, that your brain's not firing right by my brother. Danny, my brother, he's on the full med- psych medications, all and any, Seroquel, a whole bit. And when he first went there, they they detained him for two weeks until they got him on the medicine, and then they were sure they was going to stay on it. Then they let him out. No matter how many times I called them, went down there, threatened them, they said it has to go through due course. When he takes his medicine and they feel that he's taking it, then they will let him out. If he stopped talking like he was talking, he had to stop saying all this stuff, like people are after him and all this. So... They put him under an MRI before they let him go, and they scanned his brain, and his brain was all gray, all dark. It was not lit up blue, green, red. It was all dark gray matter, okay? And now after that he's on the medicine now, now the gray is gone, and it's all blue, green, and red. He showed me the pictures of it. His brain is lit up now, but I'm not saying that the medication done that. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, is that your brain, the, the technology, when they get this stuff on you, it numbs out your brain. They make make whatever in your brain work that they want it to work. So in other words, they could rewire your brain, make it do other things that it's supposed to do, like go gray and dark because they're clouding out, you're dumbing down your brain with this technology. And then when they finally get you on the medications, they want to prove that the doctors are doing their job and the medicine's working. So the technology backs off a little bit, changes the wires in your brain, and makes it back to normal again as long as you're taking the medication. So it's a trick. It's nothing but a, a hocus-pocus. The Wizard of Oz behind the curtain the medication's not doing it but the technology is allowing it to look like the te- the, the medication's working so that's that's the deal there he, he he don't have a clue what he's saying and on that Dr. Stanger and Dr. Kenninger he's running these gals down he don't even know what he's talking about you know what he's talking about he went to lawyers and doctors and all and everybody disagreed with her uh, give me a break this lady worked for the CIA, and she worked for the CIA to study this stuff. She was paid to study this stuff. She knows exactly what she is talking about. And talking about it won't help you? Well, I don't know. Dwight Magnum got his report from both of them. He went to Social Security office and filed disability and got it on the term of harassment, electronic harassment. And they gave him his money. They gave him a check. 
So he's trying to say, Todd Griffin's trying to say that Dr. Staniger and Dr. Kinniger's reports are no good. Well, it seemed to have worked with the Social Security office, but he's, he don't know about Dwight Magnum, I guess, or he's just, uh, he's, uh, uh, he's purposely leaving out Dwight Magnum. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't trust this Todd. I mean, I wish I had just whistling in my targeting. I wish I could go places and all they did was whistle. Man, I'd have it made. Now, that's all he's got. He said they're whistling him to death, and he can't stand it. It's you know, it's he, he's got to get this stopped. My God, I'd, I'd even question if he's a target. I think he's a wannabe. You will develop dopamine hypersensitivity and other chemical sensitivities. You try to go off the drug and you can't do it. You'll be gagging and vomiting and have muscle movement problems. You'll have diabetes, all this fucking shit. And you never get over it. It takes years to heal. In fact, most doctors don't even know that you now have... They won't diagnose you with brain damage. They might know that you're brain damaged, but they won't go, oh, you're brain damaged from the drugs. Now you need neuro rehab and stuff like that, functional treatment to get better. They'll just give you more drugs, usually, to cover up the injury and try to treat it. Um, and all the articles that you'll find, like, on Medscape, on, like, what are you trying to treat? The brain damage from taking antipsychotics. You got dystonia, Parkinson, tardive dyskinesia, maybe even tardive psychosis. You can induce psychosis. Um, uh, tardive dys... Uh, again, there's a lot of different tardive conditions. I believe there's new tardive depression and anxiety and stuff like that. So uh, they, they say that, you know, you can't seem to treat any of these conditions that are caused. It's, you know, that they've tested out all these different treatments, but they're all drug-based treatments that aren't designed to work. They're like, oh, we try Zion, we try Prenalol, we try this, we try this. I got all kinds of, uh, in my targeting, I got all kind of character assassination also. And... Uh, it seems like everywhere I go, there's always somebody to character assassinate me. You know, that guy's a homosexual, that guy's a F.A.G. You know, I guess that's what F.A.G. means, homosexual. I'm I'm not for sure about the terms, like they're using them. I don't know, maybe they have another uh, terminology for F.A.G., but I'm believing it means homosexual. So... You know, I mean, I can't go anywhere, and they are running me down. They're saying, uh, uh, I'm a wife beater, a bank robber. You can't trust me. I'll rob you blind. Don't set your wallet down. Uh, keep your car locked up. Watch your wife and kids. You know, it's a full-blown character assassination. Plenty of words in the character assassination. I, uh... If I just had the whistling, my God, there he don't have no character assassination going on. They don't look at here. They don't have nothing. He says he's targeted, and he's got the whistle, so they're 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 alerted that he's around, I guess. But they don't have nothing bad to say about him. They ain't got no character assassination about Todd Griffith. What? I mean, they got plenty to say about me and uh, other people. Well, why ain't they got anything to say about Todd Griffith? It, it just gets whistling. Oh, that, none of that sounds right. I mean, 
These guys are not just going to whistle. I mean, they're going full-blown to make you scared, terrified, traumatize you, ruin your family, your friends. They make everybody look crazy at you, you know. And that ain't going to happen by whistling at you. Oh, come on. Doctors immediately started prescribing more of these drugs. The results in the study actually showed that the only thing that happened when you put a kid on the drug is increased suicidal and homicidal tendencies, and there was no improvement in their mood at all, whether it was depression or anxiety. And that didn't come out until just last year. They finally got all the results of the, the study were kept secret. Uh, it was just this message that everyone was being told that the drugs were safe and effective. But uh, once the data was released, it was reanalyzed, and just like a year or two ago, uh, they came out and said, oh, that big study that was used to push all these drugs on kids, it was a fraud. Here was wow. the real results of the study. <laughs> That's on MadenAmerica.com. There's numerous articles on this. It, it's not just one study. It's every study, and there's very little studies. I mean, <laughs> They like to sometimes do that, where they suppress the negative information and they spin it as positive, and they do that to make money. A lot of money involved. That's all it's about. So do you take anything to – do you recommend any drugs to sleep? Or I know Duncan recommends the benzodiazepines myself with targeting. That was in his book. That's true. Now, Duncan, he, he's going off some some knowledge – it, he knows a lot. He knows the same amount as a doctor, a medical doctor, and the medical model. He understands the medical model. And so all he's done there, and he's not in agreement. He agrees fully these drugs are brain damaging. Uh, me and him have talked before about that. Um, so stay off these drugs is probably the best thing to do. If you want to do something for sleep, you can try a lot of things at home that are all like kind of natural. They're focused on homeopathic and functional things. Like turn off all the lights in your house, turn off the Wi-Fi, turn yourself on and off. They found out that, you know, light in the room with you, even like an indigo light can help keep you awake. And, you know, different Wi-Fi and cellular signals will, you know, prevent melatonin production and, You'll have voltage-gated calcium channel activation, and you'll be producing superoxide all night long and stuff. You really want to get away from microwaves and cellular phone technology signals. Unfortunately, you can't fully shield it because, <laughs> um, you know, the your neighbor's got Wi-Fi. There's, you know, a thousand devices on the block now with you, and they're, you know, a giant cell phone tower nearby, and pumping, there's satellites up in space beaming at you and shit. The directed energy is coming into you. <laughs> so, um, but doing all that might help some. And then uh, also maybe try going to the YMCA, get a membership there, use the steam room and hot tub, um, and start practicing, you know, just living healthy, eating healthy, eating lots of vegetables and fruit. Um Reducing caffeine intake, um, reducing meat intake. And when you're going to the YMCA, focus on that steam room because it has the ability to stimulate your nervous system in ways that you can't do on your own. And that's 
one of the things I recommend you try to do is whatever you find that does that, do that. So, like, that's almost like the same as doing neuro rehab. If you were under the care of the right doctor, you would get stuff like that. Go to a place, like, you might find they have a wellness center that has whole body vibration. Go try that out. See if doing push-ups and, you know, different things and they're standing on there and doing exercise on that, you know, for 10 to 20 or 30 minutes every day helps. Maybe even twice a day for 10 minutes or something. And get a member. You got to get a membership to do that. Um, it's usually like sixty bucks a month. Um, at the YMCA, go into that steam room though for like thirty to forty minutes. You'll probably start off only being able to do ten minutes. You'll get exhausted. What you'll notice is your body is forced to relax, and you're getting a lot of stimula- stimulation from that super hot, uh, steamy air. And it's also fun to do. There's people in there who will go there every night, and it helps them relax and wind down for the day. And that's really why you're going, but you're also going simultaneously to help with, like, repair of damage from the targeting and the medications you've used in the past um, because it does force stimulation of your nerves like you can't do anywhere else. Uh, your muscles relax. You'll get super hot. Um, you'll sweat. Um, some stuff you could do to mix it up, take a cold shower before you get in, like a super cold shower. Get ice cold. And then go get in the steam room. It'll feel so warm and good. Um, and then maybe go down and get in the hot tub, do that for a while. You can mix it up there by doing, like, uh, like dunking your head, maybe doing some uh, – getting a snorkel thing and doing, like, breathing underwater. That helps, for, like, your uh, lungs relax when you're in the water and you're, you're breathing through the snorkel. So you're doing some functional stuff. And you're doing mindfulness the whole time, you know. You'll get to the point where you're spending like an hour a day doing this. And you even go do some pool afterwards, swim around and stuff. This will really help you feel better. And do some running and jogging during the day and maybe a bike ride. Just a half an hour to wear yourself out. Doing those few things every day will make you feel a lot better. You'll sleep better. Um, you'll feel better, and the targeting will have less impact on you. You'll be stronger neurologically and physically. I will. So that's what I recommend. So, and there's other stuff like drinking hot milk, having tea with honey in it, and, you know, different stuff, which a lot of people do as a routine just to get to sleep. You know, have a book next to your bed to read, you know, turn off all your equipment at least a couple hours before bed or an hour, you know, so you're not, like, Right before you go to sleep, you're not, like, staring at your phone, reading everything, getting all activated from it and everything. Hey, guys. I have a comment about Dr. Staminger. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I just want to say it's, it's not logical to conclude that because your target being increased after seeing Staminger and Kidder that... Um, that she's uh, unethical. Um, it's more logical to think that possibly your targeting increased because you actually saw her. And and I just want to caution you to say, saying that she's with the CIA or involved with the CIA, n- nobody knows that. Um, and I have been, rec- I see Scanninger 
I've been referred to a doctor. Um, I've also been referred to a psychologist. Uh, I feel that they are very ethical and they work very hard with her patients. And uh, it's also my understanding that Dr. Stanninger um, just had a client who did win a case. So you might want to check with her on the facts on that. And um, anyway, I, I just want to suggest that what, what you're stating is fact isn't really fact, it's just supposition. And no offense, but I do feel that um, we should be a little more uh, logical and not jump to conclusions. And that's all I wanted to say. All right, thank you. Yeah, well, I recommend anyone who really wants the real info, there's definitely going to be people who are going to continue to want to purchase services from her. And they feel that way for whatever reason, whether they're just trying to make money with her or they just they feel so satisfied with the work she's done. They read her report, and they love that it, it, it says they're a victim. It says they got implants all over the place. No, we don't. Um, I, I'm um, a- but talk to Dr. Seth Farber if you want to find out what we found out when we probed her. Um, and now my I, the only case that anyone can ever bring up where she's ever went into court on this, there's been many times when people tried to send in the report that they got from her. Now, James Walbert did this back in 2008, but there's something that nobody knows about his case. They, they've read that uh, Wired.com article. He got a restraining order in the state court, right? And he, uh, back then he had hired Stanager, Kidder, and Cassie Meadows. Now, Cassie Meadows, she'll write you an okay, you know, psychological evaluation. But with Kidder and the other one, you know, you know what I said before. Well, they they claim that oh, these three people won this uh, case in court, James Walbert. But the only reason he won, and this is the proof, the guy that he won the restraining order against never showed up in court. So the judge just said, "Hey, I'm granting this." Because, you know, he was pissed off. That's the way judges are. If you don't show up in court, it's almost like a default against you, whether it's a small claims or a restraining order. You're not there to defend yourself. You lose. The judge just defaults against you. So that's what happened in James Walbert's case. The judge did that. That that doesn't mean that her evidence isn't valid. But the other thing is she won a recent case. Well, no, she's never won a case, though. You have to take it before a judge and a jury and have have them weigh the evidence and they didn't do that. They just, just defaulted, and boom, that's the only case that's ever won. That's the only one. No, it's yes, her reports were submitted to the record, and, and we looked into that, but the but judge the didn't use any of that. He just said, okay, the other guy is not here. James Walbert, here's your restraining order. Later on, James Walbert tried to enforce that thing, and the police refused to enforce the restraining order. He sued them in federal court. The federal judge tossed out the restraining order and determined the police were able to do whatever they wanted to do. They didn't have to enforce the restraining order. So in the end, the evidence that, I mean, all this, all this stuff you go to James Walbert's wall, he had a lot of, like, letters to the judge written by Melinda Kidder 
And she said, like, oh, I, I reviewed all the evidence and I found it to be all factual and stuff like that. The judge said, I don't, I don't buy any of this. It said, this restraining order is axed and the cops do not owe you any money or protection. That's what they told James Walbert. But that's because the judges are, you know, corrupt partly. But at the same time, James Walbert never had a hearing once to see if he was a victim. There's never been any real investigation at all. Um, I believe the judges and the jury have to get more involved. They have to probe. You know, if someone's claiming, oh, you know, NSA is hitting me with radiation, they have to go into the NSA and look at all their electronic warfare. They got tons of it. And you go on to Raytheon's website, you go on to Sandia Labs' website, you go on to Harris Corp's website, Boeing's website, they all got stuff on lasers, directed energy, satellites, and space arrays that they, the DARPA's got some on their website. They've got this all over the place. Right, um, but what I'm, what I'm so, telling you they, is no, that... No judges ever went in and inspected anyone to see if they were using this. Because right. they well, probably, well, they already know what's going they, on. They're in use. Could you let her talk, please? Excuse me, but yeah. really, she's trying to say something. I'm sorry to butt in, but my God. I'm well, trying to tell you that Dr. Stanninger had a client yeah. who just won a case. And not only that, Dr. Stanninger has clients who are having implants removed. And so uh, I'm, just, I'm sorry. I don't believe that at all. There's never okay. been an implant removed, and Dr. Stanninger is probably lying about having a case one. Okay, but again, I, I've been following this whole TI community. And if that case, that case would be in the newspaper, in a legit print newspaper, not just on a TI's website. Okay, you're making a lot of assumptions here, and you're not basing it on facts. No, I'm you provide us the facts. Don't just come on here and say something. You're not providing facts. You're just being a disinfo supporter for Stanager. That's all you've done I, so far. I'm not I'm willing. If you got some of this evidence, bring it to my attention by emailing me. Then Why I will I be willing to recant, but until then, I just believe you're just trying to support Sanager, but you're just making stuff up on the phone call. But you don't have any proof that anything you're saying well, is true. But I, I have proof. proof. What I'm saying is true. You can go to Dr. Seth Farber, and he will provide you emails from Dr. Robert Duncan, uh, Dr. Colin Ross, uh, Ken Posner, all this stuff you know, that again, I say is true. you're acting like Dr. Colin Ross has spoken to Dr. Sanager, and he's concluded that it, she's a fraud. Again, you are stating things as facts that aren't true, and you're saying that I'm disinfo because I'm saying these things. I'm Here's not how we also so. know that you don't have implants when she says you do. You cannot go do with a doctor and have one implant removed. That's the other thing. How do you know if you tested me? And it's not Dr. Stanager, and she doesn't say you have implants. Melinda Kidder says that you are emitting EMF emissions. She doesn't say you have implants. Again, well, that's not correct. She also doc, said well, okay, so I have Dr. Stanager's report from Ken Posner on my website, uh, Um It's in the D folder. Like, the, there's a link on the left side bar. It's 4 slash D. And then you click that, and then there's a folder in there called Legal 541. Uh, you'll click that, and then you'll see a folder something like Coop of Satellite Attacks or something. And in there, I put Ken Posner's report. Now, those are what I'm telling you is that I have, a, I have a report from Melinda Kidder. My report does not say I have implants. My report says that there are 20 sites on my body that emit EMF emissions at this level. My report says that I receive frequencies 
at this range. No. Well, I believe that that type of report, I want to say something, though. I believe that you should go to another uh, private investigator and have the, try to have that verified again just to make sure that these are valid results. It needs to be backed up by someone besides Karen. Absolutely. Give me someone else to go see. But, mm. but again, you're saying it's that's a good guy to go to. Hey, guys, um, hey, uh, let's, let, let's speak one at a time so we can hear each person. That would be great. Um, yes, you want to go uh, ahead, Vermont? Can Vermont finish? And then sure, uh, maybe we'll sure. move on to Central California because I have about 20 more minutes on the call, and I want to be able to get to a few people. Look, I'm just trying to say I'm not disinfo. You can say I'm disinfo. I'm just saying I received the report. I'm telling you what the report says. It doesn't say I have implants. It is very specific. It's very accurate. Of course, you have to verify whether or not you have the implants. But there are people who have had the implants surgically removed based on Kidder's report. Dr. Scaminger's reports are based on Kidder's report. Dr. Scaminger doesn't check you for implants. She reads Kidder's report and then follows up from there. So I'm just saying that maybe what you're saying isn't quite accurate. And just from my perspective as a client, I'm just letting you know what I've experienced. And uh, I, I feel that, it, that you're doing a disservice. All right, well, yeah, we definitely all have our own opinions and info. Yeah. Now, I would love to see, like, you claim that some of these uh, people have had implants removed. Now, I know the whole process works. Kidder comes out. She's got a little RF scanner. She's got a, maybe a full-spectrum scanner. She's got a UV camera. And she looks at your body. And now her RF uh, detecting capability is pretty limited. It only goes up to 9 gigahertz or something like that. But there's a whole spectrum of electronic warfare that operates at frequencies way higher than that. Uh, the energy spectrum, you know, like 90 gigahertz or even, you know, a couple hundred gigahertz or terahertz range. And it's a huge spectrum that is capable of being used and modulated around at different frequencies to do different things inside of people. Um, so there's stuff that she could easily be missing. Um, and she, uh, so we took issue with, you know, the frequency might not have been quite right. There's also a lot of other frequencies out there that, you know, have been used for electronic warfare. And, you know, she, she focuses on one that Duncan claims is wrong. And he knows the technology from the inside and out. Now, Sanitary scans your body and she claims in some people she detects a frequency here, 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 and there. Yeah, and she records it. No, I said Kidder does that. And then uh, she sends that report over to Sanager. Sanager then takes that, and she sends it over to, like, an RF expert who looks up in the FCC database of who uses this frequency. And she says, this frequency is known to be used. I mean, this is the report I saw. Um, she says, that, oh, this one's used by this university, and, oh, the Navy's licensed to use this as well. And uh, then she'll go, you know, Ken Posner's report went in and how he has, like, all sorts of implants, uh, specific versions, and there's Kodak patents involved and different stuff. That, you know, she just went to the patent database and has been, you know, quoting different quotes from that and info. 
and she claims Tim Poser's wired up with like a cyborg, and there's signals coming in and hitting his implants and causing different things to happen. And, and uh, now we asked for some proof outside of this report. He said, how do, how do you show that these implants are in Ken Posner all over the place? Because his doctor can't find a single one. He had an MRI done, too. Doesn't show nothing on him. Nothing inside at all. Okay, um, you're assuming that an MRI doesn't show an implant that it doesn't exist. That's not necessarily the case. So you can't conclude that because an MRI does not show an implant that there is no implant. Some of these implants are nano, some are small. So, again... All right, so the technology, though, what, what we're getting at is it doesn't require implants to work. And here she is, said, we're fact, she's got implants, but the technology works fine without them. That's how it's designed to work. And Duncan's like, yeah, man, she totally goofed on that, you know, because he knows it works without implants. There's a core of evidence that implants exist. For example, DARPA has a solicitation that ha is to build a one-centimeter cubed implant for the brain. It is intended, as part of the solicitation, to read from one, one million neurons to write to 100,000 neurons and mm -hmm. write to 1,000 neurons and they quote, quote, MP3 and read back the MP3. There are yeah, no, that's a legitimate implant. That was on Flash.org. Um, and that's going to be used for people who want to interface with computers in their own home. That's what it's for, or like pilots and people like that. How about um, brain-computer brain interfaces, neural dust that's originally developed by DC Berkeley? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's tons of legitimate technology out there like that. That dark implant would show up in an MRI, though. That one that you're talking about is a coin-sized implant that can be seen in an MRI. And that's the well, thing. The guys, they say they have implants that can't be seen. But DARPA implants that you see in the press releases are visible, at least most of them. Yeah, they Again, got a lot of secret stuff. They got some that dissolve in your blood after being inserted. That's pretty scary. Implant disappears after it's put in and just destroys itself. Yeah. So maybe it was there at some point, and maybe it's there not after. Listen, I but, actually respect Dr. Robert Duncan. But I'm saying a lot has come out since his book has come out. There's a plethora of evidence that implants exist. Whether or not they exist in TIs and whether or not brain-computer interfaces are being used. My evidence shows that there is. I've had it reviewed. I've had an MRI which showed rare foci in my brain. There's a lot of corroborating evidence that matches what Dr. Stanager and Dr. Kidder found. Whether or not it's true, whether or not until I get them removed, I can't prove it. But I think it's important not to say this fact that because they don't have to use implants, implants aren't being used. They are being used even with a Billify applied for a patent to use an implant to transmit data, for example, to a court to show that someone is uh, complying with their medication. There's just so much evidence there. Um, I would no, there's definitely tons of devices, and it, the potential is unlimited, no doubt. Um, but what's going on? in the, the last TI community, whether standards reports are actually helping TIs or not, the thing is, we really would love to see her take one of her, she sometimes will do like uh, 
a blood test or she'll uh, do a cellular check. You know, they'll come and scrape their skin and put it in like a little thing and send it off to a, where she examines it and everything, right? Okay, that's Why can't she take an amplified that. picture of a cell yeah. with an implant inside of it that could, like, could be visible? You know, that's what but we want. To, people want to see that. You guys need her to do that for an attorney to take you seriously. you got to get amplified pictures of yourself it's based on showing the implants. It's a frequency analysis. It doesn't say there are implants, but it can say that there's polyacrylamide or hydrogel associated with implants. I don't want to type the call and make this contentious. I'm just saying I, I would recommend that maybe you don't say the fact that these things aren't possible because we don't know. Well, Senator, we don't think she can back up her work. She won't even talk to a lawyer who calls her. That's what we found. In Ken Posner's case, she won't call anybody or engage in normal communication with anybody outside of, you know, her own little crew. And, and you know, that's just, in our book, we don't, we don't, none of us, we don't believe that's credible. That's just the, the page that we got on. That's not credible. That, now, there's uh, other can, ways can that you might go. It? go um, I was going to say there's other ways of going about this. If you bring in a private investigator, most of them know about this. They know about, uh, what is it, uh, electronic countermeasures or something like that. I can't even remember the term currently, but it's a very popular term. And... All they do is test for implants, bugs, hidden cameras, well, how many or direct identity. I hired a private detective and he had no idea. So I'm just saying. Yeah, well, you, well, you got to look for um, the correct private investigator in your state. They have them in every state. Um, in Oregon, there's multiple private investigators who deal with um, electronic countermeasure techniques. Um, and none of them are related to Stanager. So, or, or Stanager or Melinda Kidder. Um, now, another one in Los Angeles I know that does it's Roger Toll says. He's got some of the more sophisticated equipment. I do recommend him if you have disposable income. Dr. Robert Duncan also likes him. He has been on the radio, uh, coast to coast down repeatedly. He invented the term electronic harassment in the 70s. Um, I have not seen him, but with you got disposable income, go to him and see if he can figure something out, if he can detect what's going on. Well, His equipment's way more sophisticated than Kidder's. Well, and I have no proof of that. I'm just stating what the, what the rumor is about Roger Tolt. So. Yeah. Well, he's got a piece of equipment that's a tectronic you know, spectrum analyzer, it's on the same level as what the military would use. It's really expensive. It costs about $250,000. He's got multiple high-tech pieces of equipment. That's way above anything Kidder has. Well, so well, that's why I do kind of recommend him or anyone local to you um, to come into your house that knows about, uh, oh, TS, is it TS? Uh, CM, technical surveillance countermeasures or something like that. That's the, the term that private investigators use if they focus on this particular area. Um, 
you know, bugs and electronic warfare and hidden cameras and stuff like that. Yeah, but the, the military also uses SCADA, and Sanager and Titter have their version, H-SCADA, which is based on the military standards. So is, that's my understanding. So, again, yeah. you test to a certain standards. I'm not saying I, I can't validate, but I do know that people have had implants removed, and they have won a legal case recently. But, again, we know that legal cases are very difficult. So we can't conclude that because she hasn't won a legal case or had not won won that. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and the idea of you being able to detect directed energy, I mean, the government could just stop broadcasting it, right, when you bring that equipment in. And they're spying on you. They know everything about you. Um, they use a, they switch to a frequency your equipment doesn't detect. And uh, the military frequently talks about, you know, how they have encrypted versions of their new communication systems. It's no different from background noise when it's working. So the idea yeah, of CIA is actually that. getting something. It's right. I mean, yeah, they've done it in the past. I believe that people have captured, you know, videos with odd little orbs flying around the room and camera lens distortions. I believe there's been sound waves in the rooms detected and voices in the rooms from an environmental point of view. It's like it's there in the room. It's not like coming from it's on your head only. You know, it's something they're putting there in your, your room. That type of stuff has been detected. So, I mean, I am totally for TIs going out and trying to detect it, but it's also no guarantee. It's always hit and miss. Yeah. Because they say cold paranormal simulations on people's houses. And that's one of the way they play games on regular people. They're like, oh, your house is haunted, you know, and you're seeing stuff in your house and you're having little scratches on your skin and stuff like that. They've done this to many people before. Yeah. They've done this a few times. I'm muted. Um, Linda, are you there? Linda? I guess she's not. She must have muted her phone. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I just had myself muted. I was just going to say the use of the word fraud and uh, that her information is fraudulent, that's a big word. And that's something you want to be real careful about because you don't want this to come back and bite you. You know, that's that's a serious word to use. I would be very careful if I were you. Well, we feel pretty comfortable using it because we all came to the conclusion. We have, I mean, come on, Duncan works for the government. Dr. Colin Ross works at three hospitals as a director. Uh, All all these people, they looked at this. There's nothing, no judge or jury is going to be like this, that this is, like, credible. That report just looks terrible to us. So we we feel pretty comfortable talking about this and saying, this is not like, this is not like police report or court material, that that report is just rubbish. And we wanted her to come out and explain more and provide us more info to fill us in on the, you know, how she was able to prove it so that we could actually feel that this proved it. Because we wanted to sue the fuck out of the government. We wanted this to prove it so bad, but it didn't. It just doesn't do that. Well, there's a difference between something that may not prove something and fraud. That's a, yeah. It's fraud. She makes it up. She makes it up. Mm-hmm. That's what we believe. 
Well, okay, and I just want to address one more thing. Um, Vermont is one of our most reliable sources of information, and she's not a disinformation person. And that <laughs> thing she's, no, she's not. She's a very reliable lady and has done a lot of work for TIs and done a lot of work in front of the ethics, bioethics committee. She really has done a lot of work. You may think that's funny, but it's not. Um, very reliable, and I just, I just think it's probably not a good idea to be throwing these words around. Frankly, that's just my opinion. I do have. I don't want to see TIs get ripped off. But, Todd, I do have someone that did go to her and did have an implant removed if you ever want to talk with her. Oh, I would love to see the TIs do what I do. I always just PDF my doctor's evaluations, whether it's my psychologist or my lawyers, whatever I get, and I just upload it to my website. Uncensored, signatures and everything. That's what I love to see, and that's what I believe in. I would love to see... Uh, Who's that? There's a guy who went to UCLA, and he's like, oh, I'm getting an implant removed just like, like a year and a half ago, but he never bothers to upload his unedited medical records so everyone can see all the good stuff. Because I look at this like a stadium. We're all spectators, and we want to see, and we want to think for ourselves and, and see the evidence of this. That would help the whole community more if more TIs are doing that. We get more of this stuff up there. Okay, I don't understand. Are you saying implants are not in people and they don't have them removed? Because there is a lawyer in Santa Barbara who has filed a lawsuit on his own behalf, and he's got those implants right on Facebook. He's had them pulled. I've talked to him at length. The man is a smart man, and he is suing I don't know who all, but he did have an implant removed, and it's on up from himself and from his children, um, and it's on Facebook. Pictures of those implants are on Facebook. It does happen. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Okay, just checking. I lost you guys there. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be confrontational. I just think we yeah. need to kind of, kind of, I don't know, put a lid on the um, accusations. You know, that's kind yeah, of. Yeah, I, I prefer milder words myself. You know, he, but he's entitled to his opinion, and yeah. you know, you're, you know, and I, you know, I personally thought she's helpful. I don't think that what um, she what she does provide can stand up in court. Yeah, she's not to say that down the road, you know, it might serve a purpose. You know, but I just think her information is very hard for a court to use. Uh, hello? But, you know, everyone has a different opinion. I'm fixing to uh, call in on that call. That call's live. Todd Griffin is the guest and a national security expert, I guess, or he is a national security expert. I'm not for sure what the, it, the, the title of the call says, Todd Griffin slash a, a national security expert. So Todd Griffin, I don't know about that. But I'm fixing to call <laughs> I, I wrote down a few things that I, that he said, and I'm going back over, and uh, I want to I want to I want to hit him up. So uh, click in on their chat room and stream it so you can hear, because I'm going to hang up until I until I get to speak, and then I'll come back on. Okay. Wish I knew a way I could three way. Uh. 
or something on my phone. I don't know. I don't know if I could how I could do that. Uh, you know, any way I can uh, like uh, push something on my phone and then Dow talks you again and connect both calls on just a regular phone, like three-way and two-way calling. The chat room is. Let me pull up the number. Uh, the number is one four one four seven six, and that's talk shoe. So if y'all want, y'all y'all go call in on that call real quick, and then I'm gonna say what I want to say and see what he says. Cause I got a lot of things he said that I, I like to correct him on, cause he's making it out to where uh, what he says is facts, scientific fact. And whatever all these other people is running down, they don't know what they're talking about, he says. And they're lying and then scammers. And so I want to, yeah, I want to go over there and uh, run some things by him. So I'm hanging up now. You want the number again? The number again, one more time, if you want to call in over there and listen. One, four, one. Four seven six. That's the call in number. Talk to you. All right.
Okay, we're back. He knows all the research inside and out. Let me put it back in here at the speaker where you can hear it out of the wind. He's a writer on Madden America. He teaches at Portland University himself. He's a professor. Actually, he he didn't clean up what he said that was wrong when I when I confronted him on three subjects. He he left it alone. He didn't make no comments about it. <laughs> so I you know I could have just really drilled him in when he didn't have no comment to say. You know if he said anything he 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 didn't know what to say. I caught him in some lies. They lied to me though. They kind of hide the fact that I couldn't sign the paperwork for him that said I wanted to stay. It doesn't have my signature on it. They never told me that I had the right to stay there because I would rather I would have stayed there and let the the stuff with my social worker and uh, CCHR continue, and I would have tried to get my brain scans done because I had a neurologist on the outside too who said I needed a brain scan done, a DTI MRI. Now a regular MRI will show up as just gray and black. I just want to let you know, and all it does is check the structure of the brain. It's very low resolution. Um, an fMRI will be all colored. It'll um, have a lot of different data, which they represent in different colors. Um, internally in the computer, there's way more than just colors. Colors is how they like to represent um, stuff in the fMRI when you're, like, staring at it, just to kind of show where different activity is or less activity, usually. Um, a DTI MRI is a higher resolution MRI than a standard one, and it can see structures that are smaller than a regular MRI. And then the HD fiber tracking takes that to another level, and it could see like individual tears and breaks in uh, cables, and it could see where neurons are dead and stuff like that. Um, so there's a lot of different types of MRI out there, and it could be rendered in different fashions and software. So if it's just black and gray, that's probably just the way they rendered it. And it's probably just the regular MRI to see if you have any lesions or bullet holes and stuff like that. And that's all it's good for checking, maybe a stroke. But it's not good for seeing if there's, you know, like cable tears or, you know, individual neurons damaged. Um, so I got out of that hospital, and that's a tip I have for everyone. Always use your Medicaid or your insurance to go to psychologists and social workers in your town um, and get them to be your friend. Convince them with the material that you can find on the Internet that the government's out there doing this to people. And they're abusing them by locking them in the mental institutions when they go for medical care and stuff like that. So um, that will keep you out of a mental hospital. All you have to do, either get CCHR on board and or get your doctor to call the hospital and say, nope, I diagnosed PTSD, military trauma. You have tortured this person and injured them. Um, and what you're doing doesn't make sense to me. He doesn't have psychosis. He doesn't have a need to be in a hospital. He can come to me for care. Um, and the hospital should just let you out. And they'll have a hard time getting a judge to go against your doctor's opinion. 
unless you're acting totally like violent and you're beating people up, you know, and stuff like that right there at the hospital and they have camera footage of it. You know, they got evidence of it. They got police reports that you are wild and dangerous to yourself and others. Because that makes a judge go, eh, eh, you're pretty crazy, man. I'm worried you're going to hurt somebody. And that's the only way they're supposed to be able to actually hold you. You have to be imminently dangerous to yourself or others. Or you have to have no way to take care of yourself. That means you don't have a home to go back to. And you have to be mentally ill. That's the number one thing. So mentally ill, dangerous yourself or others, no house to go back to, no family willing to take you into the house, no apartment of your own, uh, or no other plans, no money, stuff like that. So make sure you have money and all that stuff lined up and you got a place to go. You will always get out on the 5150. In fact, you might scare the hospital into just letting you out before they even try to get a judge to order that you have to be committed. Um, I've gotten therapy from many doctors, not just uh, Ron Unger, the social worker. I've got Missy Gerrits from Modesto, California, Dr. Kernesy Data, um, and uh, that was uh, uh, Stockton, California. And all I do is I look up my insurance company, and I look up their mental health database of providers I can go to, and I pick a PhD or PsyD that does psychotherapy, and I ask them a couple of questions. I say, you know anything about military trauma on the phone? And I introduce them to mind control and the torture and stuff the government's done. And then I just introduce them to my story, and they believe everything I have to say every time. That gets them to diagnose like I'm PTSD instead of schizophrenic or delusional and my doctors will say things like, I don't have any reason not to believe everything you're telling me. They've always done that for me. But if you go to a hospital, they won't do that. They will likely say you're delusional and psychotic, try to force drugs. It's the yin and yang, man. The system has different doctors doing different things in different pursuits. The military research facilities are local hospitals. They're highly integrated in the cops. The local private practices have doctors who are disconnected from that, and they're willing to do different things in private practices. And they're a little more educated and willing to talk about different things as well. You want to find someone who has experience, too, if you can, which you may or may not be able to do. I don't always find someone with experience, and so I go in and I train the doctor. As long as they have some familiar, you know, they're sort of familiar with this, Military trauma, like one psychologist said, yeah, I've worked with dozens of veterans, and they told me the crazy stuff the military does. Um, and she also worked alongside the sheriffs, which before she got her PsyD, so she knew kind of some of the crap stuff the cops were doing. And that was all it took, you know. She was already into this. You know, she'd already been exposed to it. And I believe any TI can do this in any town, just as long as their insurance will let you go to, uh, don't go to a county clinic either. County clinics are bad. You can go there if you want, but, like, I'm pretty concerned that these, those are the same guys that used to run Ultra and do different stuff to people locally. So, just like the, the university hospitals. Uh, they usually run those court-administered programs. 
uh, where like, you know, person will be court ordered in the treatment and where is it they go? The county, you know, uh, they're used to running the PSRBs and the different whatever release programs and sex offender treatment through them all the times and different crap. So you're finding people with conflicts of interest. They're on the side of the government. They work for the government. They do stuff for the government. And then here you are going up to them and saying, hey, I've been victimized by government. They don't usually want to help with that. Um, they're on the side of trying to cover it up or, you know, whatever. They're profiting off of it in different ways. That's all I got to say. Um, that's my advice and my wisdom to, to get out of the hospital and not have to be there two weeks. Um, in fact, I think they have to release you. They have to have a hearing within like a few days after you request one. Um, and it's like they got five days tops they can hold you before they have to have the hearing or something like that. So. Well, Todd, thank you so much. I really appreciate everything you shared with us and all your information. And um, I'm sure, you know, people got some good information out of it. And thank you so much. And um, I guess, you know, you, if you want to talk about your website again, more people can go and see and um, share any links that you have, any helpful links, that would be great. And then we'll end up we'll end the call. Yes. Um, on my website, I'll finish with some of the best info. Five government agents confirming all the targeting the government's doing. On WilliamBenny.com, you'll find a video with NSA whistleblower William Benny confirming NSA says at the top that local law enforcement are the end users of all the NSA surveillance data from the satellites and the radar and the phone fiber optic caps. And the fiber optic caps intercept every phone call, every packet over the internet and a lot of information from all the different equipment because they're all sending communications and packets over the internet. And there's a lot of, they've, they've built protocol interpretation software for all that. So they can intercept it and understand it and get every bit of information they, they want over the fiber optic system. Um, now, William Benny is number one. Now, Dr. Webster Carpley is a professor who's a victim himself of stalking, harassment, intimidation. Um, he did a Left Forum 2016 panel on this whole issue called COINTELPRO 2016, the post-9-11 uh, national security state, and he covers their whole targeting mechanism of stalking, role-playing, gaslighting, and all that. Um making people feel insane. That's what they want to do, driving people just feel insane. Um, and this is kind of like a, like a professor college-level video where he talks about this. It's from Left Forum. I was at Left Forum. I spoke to him myself. I took pictures with Webster Charpley. He backed me up as a victim. He was afraid to touch my hand and shake it. He's like, oh, my God, I'm, gonna, I'm afraid if I touch you. I'm going to feel the radiation that's going through you. I don't want to be hurt by it. He believed me so much. He knew that these bastards would do it. So go to bombsweapon.com 
And the very first video playing, it's in the playlist. It's the second video. You'll see Dr. Colin Ross from History Channel, where he was on there talking about how they're testing non-lethal weapons on citizens. You know, like hitting people's brains and body parts with radiation from different like aircraft and satellites and radar on the ground and. Dr. Colin Ross, the psychiatrist, has already backed it up. There's a lot of people in his group who think the same way. Um, but the second video is the Webster Tarpley who explain the targeting system. It's the cops and the local, you know, city and state employees and InfraGuard and military, people with military ties and clinics doing this to us. Um, sometimes it's someone else, but usually not. It's usually it's all the government. They got all the weapons, all the money. And then Dr. Robert Duncan will explain it as an engineer and a scientist for the government. He worked on the, the techniques to actually do it, to put voices in the head, do biocommunications, and read memory out from the brain and stuff like that. DrRobertDuncan.com has three sources right there. Now, Russell Tice, NSA whistleblower, man, he ups the ante. He says, no didn't have access to the juiciest documents that are far more damning, the stuff on the space capability, the radar, the ballistic missile defense. Duncan talks about the ballistic missile defense, too. That's actually a geological weapon used to scan and assault us. It's worse than lethal. Now, Russell Tice worked with that. He worked with the space capability and the satellites. He worked with special access programs, very restricted knowledge programs, uh, to controlled information, technical... Uh, uh, special operations, different stuff, I don't know. And he says that they're targeting American systems with the space capability and the terrestrial moves and all that other stuff that they're doing. And he can't even talk about it. The stuff that they're doing with the phone taps and the fiber optics, that's all the low-tech side, he says. There's a high-tech side above that, and no one's even talking about that. He said that on MSNBC in 2009. So <laughs> he's already disclosed overtly that people are being targeted and irradiated, and they have way more advanced shit than the fiber optic taps and the phone tapping and all that crap that they're doing. It's the satellite grid. So there's four sources in the radar grid. It's, you can shoot energy from the ground up into people, through walls, through buildings, through mountains, and you can shoot it from satellites, too. Now, the fifth source of information, and all this stuff is available on my website. FBI Special Agent Ted Gutterson worked for him for 30 years. He was head of FBI Los Angeles. He was nominated the director in 1979. He wrote an affidavit in 2011 confirming the NSA and the military intelligence agencies and local law enforcement, the FBI and CIA, are targeting the fuck out of citizens. He wrote that affidavit. It's on DrRobertDuncan.com, which you'll, you'll find it somewhere. Maybe search for Gunderson. Um, on Obama'sLeppy.com, it's there as well underneath that first video where you'll find Webster Carpley right now. It's five sources, five big sources who confirm this is all going on. From every point, there's, and there's even more people. Snowden says it. He says it. He says in 2013, 
There's not a child born today who will know a single moment not having their thoughts analyzed. Okay? Their thoughts are being analyzed because they're being spied on by satellites, fiber optic caps, and other shit. If they are using Facebook, they're being spied on, and everything they say has been watched and recorded. And the government has access to that. Every fucking email they send, every goddamn text, everything they speak on the phone, every conversation they have in person when there's no technology around, it's being recorded by the satellites and the radar. Their brains are being scanned. Their MRIs are being done from space. Snowden said that. In 2013, his Christmas message, he fucking said that. He said, there's not a kid born today who won't be 24-7 spider on and analyzed. And their thoughts won't be private. At all, the government's going to have it all. And he said, that's a threat. Because people won't be free to develop who they are and who they want to be. Because the government's using it to control the fuck out of every person. See? You have to just decode a little bit. If what Stone says is true for the fact, then that means there's a whole fucking big old system that's being used today to control people and prevent them from being who they are and who they want to be. The government is using all this shit to control them. How they're even using Facebook to control them. They're using the Internet. Every technology device they use is being used to control people's minds. The schools are being used to control people's minds. The TV, every fucking message that they see, they're being forced to be, be purchasers and laborers and live in the dark on everything government set up to control them. It's population control. It's not just to prevent terrorism. It's population control of everybody. That's what William Binney said. They're using NSA every day without warrants on everybody. And they're generating lots of data and doing lots of different things, and they're keeping it secret and lying about it. Everybody in government is. It's so crazy. So there's many sources. Thomas Drake's another source. Object violation of the Fourth Amendment. They're spying on everyone with the full military capability and, and, and doing crazy things, you know? He confirmed it. Go to thomasdrake.xyz.com to see that. And uh, the Snowden video can be seen on drrobertduncan.com. There's a whole bunch of NSA videos there. It's all confirmed real. The targets are being targeted. And they're in danger. And it's used for entrapment. You can make a targeted individual. Just like that guy was saying before, they're manufacturing targeted individuals and using us to kill and do mass shootings. Holy shit. We're being entrapped. When we do a mass shooting, we're being forced to do it. We're being tortured to do it. The government's making us kill. That's all I got to say. Todd. Your name is Todd, right? Yes. Hi. Can I have your um, website again, please? Yes. Obamasweapon.com and DrRobertDuncan.com. Hmm? What is yours? Obamasweapon.com. Obamaweapon.com? Obama's weapon, and Obama has an S, and there's no S on weapon. You can also get to it through OregonStateHospital.net. Um, and then DrRobertDuncan.com is my other big site, and there's actually like seven sites total right now. Um, on drrobertduncan.com, you'll see a link to all the other ones. Okay. 
Just searching for Doctor. Just searching for Doctor Robert Duncan in Google will find my site. It's number one result. So you're from Oregon, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, you know, I believe in what you were saying as far as eating right and you know, exercising and keeping you moving. My problem is right now, I live in the desert. And it's like 113 out right now. Our pool waters are hot. I'm having a hard time while I'm being um, attacked, even going down to try to walk my dog. Just get to the pool or tolerate the sun because I'm a lot older. So I'm trying to figure out how to survive being attacked in the house, you know, and not being, and be 2 k to death. And it's very, it's really easy. Yes, we have swimming pools. (laughs) We have these things. They're all hot. The water's hot. Um, But, you know, I just, I think geographics plays a big effect in where, um, where and how targeting is. Did you turn your water um, heater? Also, I, did, I just wanted to let you know that. Did you turn your water heater I down? I them to keep my satellite dish on. I do it because I want to know things that are going on in the world. And I happen to watch a show called Vice. And if you want the most recent, up-to-date thing on Snowden, this this show called Vice went there to interview him in yes. uh, Moscow about a month ago, about two months ago now, and it's excellent. I'm hoping you, sh- that his film comes out. Did you out turn your water heater down? Did you turn yeah. your water heater down? I should tell you, Vice is uh, interviewing T.I.'s now. Um, Nobody can hear and me, I think. They're talking to me, yes, to do a documentary. Um, Hello. And it's going to be uh-huh. on how the government treats us as T.I.'s and how we're feeling as T.I.'s from it. And Why once the documentary is done, it might lead to articles as well. It's going to be video. Well, the thing is, is, you know, I'm a big Bill Maher fan. <clears throat> but even Bill Maher can be a jerk sometimes. Um, he had Glenn Greenwald as his guest. And he said, um, you know, come on. Snowden's a very intelligent guy, but don't you think some of this is batshit crazy? And Glenn Greenwald was on Skype, and he just looked at Mar like, you really are dumb. So I can hand it to Bill Mar that he produces Vice. So I would be very interested in being a part of that. Or being yes, contact me on Facebook or by email just so we have the info, because Vice is using me to, we're going to use my Facebook account to interface with the TIs 
So to connect to others, and it's not just going to be American TIs, but European TIs, because the, the main guy working on this is in the U.K. Oh, I'm just getting your email address, and I'll see if I can get an email to you, because I don't use Facebook for that. Um, my computer's controlled, as is my phone, or just certain things. Um, the television, they shut it off on me now and then. Um, basically, they're mentally attacking me right now. But what is your email? And I'll tell you that mine will have the Arizona AOL and with my initials. Yes. Uh, it's, my email is case, like C-A-S-E, at OregonStateHospital.net. C A S E Ed, another E. All right. Okay, C is in cat, A is in alpha, S is in Sam, E is in echo, at Oregon State Hospital dot net. How do you come up with OregonHospital.net? Well, the Oregon State Hospital is where I became a TI. A huge military-industrial complex prison facility. The ability to kill patients in there, rape them, drug them up, radiate them. Uh, now, people who, who are radiated, there's many reasons that hospital is involved in this. Uh, long history as a prison. A lot of war, uh, crimes against humanity have happened there. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of scandals. Or in the police state, practically. Uh, so, I mean, for security reasons, I mean, they've got that mental prison facility. And, uh, you know, everyone and their brother seems to be part of the national security, you know, system in place in this country. Um, and... People on the streets who are targeted will end up at the state hospital where the government wants to control those individuals um, and do stuff to them under the table. Because a lot of the abuses that the government does, it's not just arresting and prosecuting people okay. or assassination. It's also, you know, getting people under the table uh, with, like, torture and harassment and other stuff and being, you know, it's just out of control. But also at the hospital, I mean, imagine the the ability, the power of anyone who gets too out of control, who witnesses too much crime, they got to put voices in their head somehow. So all the psychiatrists that place got to do, boom, put voices in this person. And it's being done. They're, they're walking around. Well, None of the voices are coming from their own head. It's, it's coming from the technology of the national security state. From the satellites and the radar... I mean, hell, if they come up with an implant, it could be used. That's kind of a scary email address, don't you think? Yeah. I wanted to sue the hospital. I wanted to sue their balls off. Uh, and all my evidence starts there. So that's why I bought the domain, or I can say hospital.net. And then my case, C-A-S-E, that's just like legal case, you know. So... That's why I that, that's why I picked out case at Oregon's house with that net because like I have a legal case and 
time. Well, guys, I'm going to have to end the call here soon. I have to get up really early to help Dave Voights out. Um, he's doing really well, um, but um, I have to get up early. I'm also getting on a plane um, in the morning, so I do need to get off the call. Linda, do you want to open up a call, or maybe just want to wait till tomorrow? Oh. No, I'm going to call. I can, I can mute you again. Hold on. That's okay. There? Okay. Yeah. Okay, can you hear me? <laughs> yes, I can hear you. Okay. Um, no, i got to get to bed. i got to get to the meeting. i got to get to tomorrow, and I can't do it tonight. But thanks for the okay, offer. No worries. Okay. Okay, well, Todd, thank you again, guys. And, you know, tomorrow's Linda's call, and so you guys can, um, you know, check in with her. Her call starts at the same time mine does, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. And, uh, Todd, thank you so much. And um, don't forget to call the person I give you the number to. All right. Yeah, I talked to her tonight. We're, nice. we're hooked up. That was a good. good person. Good. I like that. I like to hear that. Okay,
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.